Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It's your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, Blue. And welcome back to episode 22. First and foremost, thanks, everybody, for all the previous support on all the other previous episodes, including episode number 21, which was one of our personal favorites. You know, we had a lot of good topics in that episode, and we appreciate all the support we got on it, all the support on all of our reels, on all of our social media platforms, and all the things like that. First of all, check the description box down below. Follow us on all the social media platforms. We keep adding more platforms, and we're trying to get involved on all these platforms. We appreciate everybody who's already tapped into us on there. We will. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's going to from here. And while you're down there in the description box, hit that big red subscribe button because today we just hit over 250 subscribers. I think right now, as of recording, we're at 252. We appreciate everybody who has already hit the subscribe button. We are on the journey to 1,000 subscribers, one-fourth of the way there officially. We appreciate everybody has already helped us on that journey and we appreciate already in advance everybody who's going to help us continue to get to that uh overall goal of 1000 and another thing we appreciate is all the comments and the engagement we love engaging with the fans and everyone interested in the podcast and all the topics that we talk about including subway who the official subway account recently commented on our tiktok we ate the danger witch russell wilson yeah russell wilson's official sandwich if you haven't checked it out yet go check it out and the last episode, episode 21. Exactly. And check out the TikTok. You can see Subway commenting on it. You never know what's going to happen in the future with that. You know, maybe we get a Subway collab pretty soon. Hey, you never know. You never know. Uh, but with all that being said, man, you ready to get straight into it? Episode 22? Yep. Let's get into it. Well, first and foremost, we want to start off with the NFL. And uh, we want to kick it straight off with our week five, uh, week five pick, uh, pick em. week five predictions. Facts. Uh, we've been doing it every week. We love doing it. Some of our best clips have come from our week five uh, week week predictions, and you know we're gonna continue to do it. And you ready to get into it? Of course. Let's make some great picks. Week five NFL pick 'em. Let's go. Giants versus Packers. I got the Packers. I got the Packers as well. Lions versus Patriots. I got the Lions. I got the Lions. Chargers versus Browns. I'm taking the Browns. I got the Chargers. Texans versus the Jaguars. I'm taking the Jags. The Jags. Falcons versus Bucks. I'm taking the Bucks. I got the Bucks. Steelers versus Bills. Taking the Bills. I got the Bills as well. Dolphins versus the Jets. I'm taking the Dolphins. I got the Jets on this one. Rams versus the Vikings. I'm taking the Vikings. The Vikings. Titans versus the Commanders. I'm taking the Titans. The Titans. Seahawks versus Saints. I'm taking the Saints. The Seahawks. 49ers versus the Panthers. I'm taking the 49ers. The Panthers. Eagles versus Cardinals. I'm taking the Eagles. Eagles. Cowboys versus Rams. I'm taking the Cowboys. Cowboys. Bengals versus Ravens. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. Bengals. Raiders versus Chiefs. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. It'll be easy dub. <laughs> Another great week of picks. First and foremost, let's, let's just start off. One of the, our main picks we disagreed on, uh, Chargers versus Browns. It's going to be a good game. Two teams, maybe uh, the Chargers, maybe underperforming by some teams' uh, standards. And then the Browns, who, in my opinion, might be overperforming. You pick the Chargers in this game. What gives you faith in the Chargers to be able to get this done on the road? They just got a good squad. and Although they haven't played the best, they, they're still playing good football. And I got them over the Browns, honestly, because the Browns just haven't shown me enough that they're enough, like, gut, that they have it in them to beat the Chargers. Mm -hmm. and, so, and obviously the Chargers, you know, we know how good of a football team they are, how talented they have. You know, they got guys, you know, obviously Justin Herbert. We don't even need to mention him, but they're a little bit banged up on the offensive side of the ball, but and maybe even on the defensive side of the ball, but they still have Khalil Mack, who we know how good he is. Yeah. And, you know, they still have some star guys who, you know, are going to give him an opportunity to win. Of course. 
But for me personally, I have been extremely impressed by the uh, Cleveland Browns. You know, obvi- obviously I'm not ever really going to be particularly impressed by Jacoby Brissett, but he's doing kind of what he needs to do. He doesn't need to do too much with this offense because of how good the Nick running Chubb. game. Exactly. We know how good this running game is. Not only Nick Chubb, but when you have Kareem Hunt being a uh, uh, secondary back for them, that just shows you how good this this you know this this uh, running game can be. Of course. And Nick Chubb is obviously having an unbelievable season. Some would say probably the best running back in the league right now. And, Arguably. And you know with how good this offensive line has been playing, I think, you know, I don't think Justin Herbert and the this you know lethal Chargers offense is going to get. All, a bunch of opportunities in this game because I think Cleveland is going to try to possess the ball. They were, they got a running game as well, though, the Chargers. They do, but I think, you know, Cleveland, we know that they're going to run the ball. We know that that's the, their main thing that they're going to do. The Chargers, you know, they're obviously they're going to mix it up. But I think Cleveland is going to try to go of the approach, let me hold the ball, let me try to win the time of possession battle, keep the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands. Ultimately, when you're playing against a team that has a better quarterback, the way to win that game is keep the ball out of this guy's hands. You That's know, you, true. I can agree with that. You don't want a guy as good as Justin Herbert to have the ball more times than you do. I'm just letting the Browns know. If that is how this game plays out, my pick will probably be wrong. That's just, you know what I mean? But I personally don't believe this game uh, ends up that way, and I think the Chargers are able to, or I think the Browns are able to win the time of possession battle, led by Nick Chubb. I think he has another essentially 150-yard-plus game, maybe even two touchdowns, something like that, amongst the stat line, and I think... He will be able to propel the Browns to victory at home. It will come to a defensive battle because both of their offenses are good. Yeah. So ultimately, it will come to the defense at the end, both team both teams' defenses at the end of the day. Exactly, and you know that's going to be an interesting matchup because the Chargers have been uh, kind of underperforming. You know, I, I expected them to win this AFC West division, and the Browns, you know, slightly overperforming to my uh, expectations. So it'll be very interesting to see how this one plays out. I think the Browns in a very, very close game, I think. Maybe it'll be decided by a field goal. Like many games in the NFL have been decided by. I saw a statistic saying that I think the most games through four weeks uh, in NFL history have been decided by three points or less. Interesting, yeah. So I know I think that just shows how competitive the NFL has been, which we'll get into a little bit later on in the podcast. But another, the second game that we disagreed on that we wanted to touch base on, uh, the Dolphins and the Jets. And this is obviously going to be a very interesting game because it is the first game uh, for the Dolphins without uh, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, exactly, uh, who is obviously out with the uh, concussion that uh, we talked about last week, and you know that was such uh, an unfortunate uh, series of events. You know we touched a, a lot about it uh, last pod, so if you haven't seen that, go check that out, see what we said, come back, and then we'll be able to you know hear this prediction. But I ultimately, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be able to pull through and beat the Jets you know, away from home, even without Tua. You know, like like I said last week, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to do a good enough job to lead this team where they need to go. I trust the Dolphins' defense. And ultimately, I don't know if, if the Jets' offense is going to be able to score enough points to keep up with this Dolphins' offense, even without Tua. You know what I mean? I just don't know if I trust them 100%. And I don't think the Jets are a bad football team. I just think even without Tua, the Dolphins are probably just a little bit better. And I know the Dolphins are slightly banged up. That's what I was going to mention and why I picked the Jets. Yeah, and I know that they're slightly banged up. However, I do have uh, the belief that Tyreek Hill will be playing, even though he's on the injury report. Jalen Waddell, I'm not quite 100% sure on, but even if he does not play, I still have the faith. And if he does play and in a limited capacity, I still that doesn't particularly change my pick. I still think that the Dolphins, even if Jalen Waddell isn't playing, will still be able to get this done. I think 
even though it's away from home, I think that we would have rushed the ball well. I liked a little bit of what I've been seeing more from the Dolphins running game. Mike McDaniel is going to continue to get these guys the ball in unique ways. Raheem Mostert, one of the most dynamic backs when he is in space. I just think, you know, Mike McDaniel is going to set up Teddy Bridgewater to succeed. And I think he's going to cook up a very, very good game plan. And I don't think the Jets will be quite ready for it. So, yeah, one of the main reasons why I think the Jets will win is because they're in, it's because of the Dolphins' injuries right now. About half, like, over, like, like it's crazy with the amount of injuries that they have. It's like, first it's Tyreek Hill. He was questionable. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be able to play. Now it's Jalen Waddle, which is one of their, one of their main, probably one of their main, rec- exactly, one of their main receivers. So it's just, Dolphins are really in a tough position. I trust the Jets' offense to be able to get it done, honestly. Mm-hmm. With Zach Wilson playing now, especially. Yeah. And the Jets, and you think, you know, obviously Teddy Bridgewater, you know, the Dolphins quarterback, but you think that the Jets' defense will be able to contain the Dolphins' offense enough. Exactly, please. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think he's ready for the Jets' defense. Ready for the Jets' defense. So you, you have a, a large amount of faith in the Jets' defense. Over Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. <laughs> Not over Tua. Yeah. But then Teddy Bridgewater and Jalen Waddle being out, it's like, you mean Tua, me being out? I mean, no, you know, but Teddy Bridgewater being in and oh yeah, yeah, and then Jalen Waddle being out, it's just like, yeah, <sighs> yeah. It's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plays out, and it's one of those things, you know, it's an AFC East battle, and you know, the Jets, even though they have never, not, not gonna say never, even though they, recently they have not been good, and the Dolphins have, you know, even re- even though the Dolphins have not been a great team recently before this year, always they've always been slightly better than the Jets. But even when we would go into a uh, game against the Jets, you never want to take an AFC East, and, and for any division opponent, uh, lightly, for that matter, you never want to take a division opponent, opponent lightly. And I think the Jets have always played the Dolphins tough. You know, it's a, it's a tough matchup, but I'm taking the Dolphins. I have to have faith in them. The next game, Seahawks versus Saints. And I know this was one I sat there for, for a minute trying to figure out this pick because... I just didn't know, and, and and ultimately, when push came to shove, I just I, I had a gut feeling with the New Orleans Saints led by backup quarterback currently Andy Dalton. But that's what I'm saying again with injuries. I mean, exactly, I'm interested to see you pick the Seahawks. What gives you faith in the Seahawks to get this one done? I don't trust Andy Dalton, especially like Jameis Winston. Maybe, but Andy Dalton and an, another um, what who, Michael, Thomas. Mike, Michael Thomas. That's what I was gonna say. Michael Thomas. I know he's out as well. So it's like Andy Dalton, and without Michael Thomas, it's like it's just like you're just missing main like players that you need to get it done. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I picked the Seahawks, man. I think they're a more reliable squad with even Geno Smith sh- performing better than Russell Wilson at the at the moment. Yeah. So, it, which is crazy, you know, that's that's a story. That's a whole other story, talking, talking about how bad Russell Wilson is playing and how well Geno Smith is playing. Exactly. And that's why it, it was a very, very difficult pick uh, for me to choose this game because, you know, Geno Smith has impressed everybody so far. And then they got DK Metcalf, man, an absolute beast on the field. So you got to pick the Seahawks in this one. I'm I, surprised on your pick. Well, exactly. And, and like, I, like I was uh, about to say, I think, Geno Smith has been having an unbelievable year. Nobody particularly expected it per se. You know, of course. maybe people expected him to have a decent year, but I don't think not a single soul on this planet. And some people may try to claim it, but I don't think a single soul was actively predicting just how good Geno Smith would have been through these four weeks. I mean, people were writing him off, and after the first week against the Denver Broncos, he even said it himself: 
y'all wrote me off, but I ain't right back. And that was one of the hardest quotes I had heard. But I know I've been saying all these good things about the Seahawks. But let me explain why I think the Saints have a really, really good chance to win this game and why I even picked them. Look, last week, you know, they played a very, very good, uh, in my opinion, Minnesota Vikings team. And they played them very, very tough in London, you know, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, they played them very, very tough. And honestly, they were probably, well, they literally were uh, a goalpost away from winning that game. My goalpost. They were. They were a goalpost away because their kicker, they hit the double doink. And, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, they lost that game. But I took away some very good things from that game. First of all, Chris Olave has been playing amazingly so far this season. We have him in our I fantasy agree. league. We have him in our fantasy league. We, don't, we know just about how good he's been playing. So that makes me not quite worry about the Michael Thomas injury quite as much because although Michael Thomas is a very, very good receiver, and I'm not questioning that, Chris Olave will be able to step into that wide receiver one role for the Saints and, and execute very well. I have a lot of faith in him to do that. Also, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I, Andy Dalton is, is an extremely good quarterback, but... But the Red Rifle himself, he had a pretty decent game last week. He was solid. And he almost led this Saints team to victory. And I just think, look, if he was able to do it against a Vikings defense, which I would consider to be pretty damn good, the Seahawks defense, I know I was talking about how good their offense has been. Their defense has been the exact opposite. has been terrible. Their defense is not good. And I have a lot more faith in Andy Dalton to have an even better game against this terrible Seahawks defense. And I think that we're in for a shootout, uh, you know, when, when we get to this game. And I can I, agree. And I think, you know, my like it, it might sound crazy for some people to say that I'm trusting Andy Dalton in a shootout. But I'm trusting Andy Dalton in a shootout because of how bad this Seahawks defense is. I think it's going to come down to what defense will be able to stop the opposing, uh, opposing team's offense more. And I trust the Saints to be able to do that more than the Seahawks. But I'm won't, like, like it took me so long to make this pick. I will not be surprised at all if the Seahawks, the get Seahawks it done. win. It's going to be very, very close. It's very, gonna, very it's, close. It, I, yeah. In my opinion, if I had to put a score prediction on this game, it's probably going to be like a, a, a 42-35 game, something like that. It's going to be very, very high scoring. Now, another game we disagreed on: 49ers Panthers. This one was an interesting one. I, I expected uh, to, to, for you to, uh, to hear you have picked the, uh, the 49ers like me. So I'm interested to hear this. Why did you pick the Panthers? I just don't trust Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I just don't trust him. I don't, I don't trust anything about him. I just wish Debo Samuel was on a different team. Like, he's such a great player. So, like, he shouldn't be playing under Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and I, I know, like, Baker Mayfield, like, he, he can get it done. Like, I trust him way more than Jimmy G. Even even though, you know, Baker hasn't been necessarily having his, his best season, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, of course. But I know he has the heart in him. Uh-huh. He has he has the heart in him to get it done, man. He's going to fight. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's going to come down to defense and just the Panthers, man. I just trust them overall over the 49ers. I do find that quite interesting. I, I had to rock with the 49ers here, you know, in my, my personal opinion. And I, I agree with you. Do I trust Jimmy G as much as I trust a lot of other quarterbacks in this league? No, not particularly. I think Jimmy G, he he can get the job done. It's honestly kind of amazing to me how Jimmy G has been so successful in the playoffs. He's made a, a multiple NFC championship games, actually won a, a one one. And, and he was very, very close to winning a fucking Super Bowl. Very, very close. And, and when you watch him play, doesn't quite convince you. You say, how did this guy do that? However, 
I don't think the 49ers will need a top, top tier Jimmy G performance to be able to beat the Carolina Panthers. I think, you know, if we just get the stereotypical, prototypical Jimmy G performance, they will be able to get it done against the Panthers. Might get a safety. But I, but I, might I just. Cough up this, might cough up a safety. I, I, even if that happens, I just don't believe the Panthers will be able to contain a guy like Debo Samuel for, for that long. And honestly, I, do I have I don't really have much faith at all for the Panthers to be able to score near enough points to be able to uh, keep up with this 49ers offense because the 49ers defense is elite. It's a very, very good defense. And coming off of a big Monday Night Football win against the Rams last week, I think that the 49ers have the momentum. And I think Jimmy G didn't throw any, uh, any interceptions last week against a good uh, Rams defense, I would say. He did exactly what you kind of need him to do through uh, – Threw a, a great, well, not necessarily, I'm not going to call it a great touchdown pass to Debo exactly. Samuel. He threw, a, he threw a pass to Debo Samuel who, who ran it 50 yards for a touchdown. I'm not going to quite give Jimmy G all the credit for that, but I will give Debo Samuel a lot of credit for that. And look, when you have the weapons that Jimmy G has, he's not going to have to score. He's, he doesn't need to score 30 points to win this game. He scored 21 points, 24 points. That's enough to beat great this Panthers Great tight end. Team. That, then that's why I think that the 49ers will be to win this game. It's, and it's not going to be an offensive battle by any stretch of the imagination, but I think give me the 49ers in a close game, you know, 24-21, maybe 24-17, that type of score. It's going to be a lower-scoring game, in my opinion. Is there any other game that you want to talk about before we get into the next topic? Well, I know we wanted to touch on the Cowboys and the Rams. And I know we both picked uh, the Cowboys in this game, I think. Yeah. But... This is gonna probably this is one of if not the highlight game of the week in my opinion. This Facts. is definitely one of the uh, games and and I, a lot of people were speculating at the beginning of the week how Dak might have came back for this game. Not not quite. I the, saw that. Not quite the case, and it's still going to be Cooper Rush. And there are a few injuries on the Cowboys' end. You know, they uh, Tony Pollard has a questionable for the game. Same thing with Ceedee Lamb. Ceedee Ma- Lamb. It made me question my pick. However, I think that both of them ultimately will play, which is. Uh, this is no insider information. That's just my hunch. I just think that both of them will end up playing. Y'all could come back to this video when they're ruled out and call me an idiot. That's just whatever. But I think both of those two will play, so I'm factoring that into my pick. But ultimately, Cooper Rush, and I said this last pod, has been playing extremely, extremely well. And I think we just saw Jimmy G, uh, a Jimmy G-led offense, beat the Rams last, exactly. w- last week. So. The Rams, they seem to be not quite where we expected them to be. I don't think they're playing quite the level of football. Underperforming. They're underperforming. And maybe know, that's an understatement. Maybe, maybe. And, and we, you know, I thought, you know, at the offseason when they added Bobby Wagner, okay, they've, 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 I know they lost Von Miller, but they've added some defensive pieces to keep this defense really, really good. And I'm not going to call them a bad defense, but we're, they're not quite what we expected. And Matthew Stafford has not been performing up to uh, the levels that we saw last year. You know, that pick six last week was, was not great at all, and that seems to be a given that Matthew Stafford will throw a pick six almost every week so far. Um, and if that's the case, you know, I don't think he's going to fare well against, honestly, one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best, this Dallas Cowboys defense. And that's why I have to give the Cowboys the edge because this defense is just so, so good. And, you know, it being in L.A., I think the Cowboys fans are honestly, they're, they're thinking it, it's it's basically a home game for them. I think that they're going to have more fans in the crowd in L.A. Than, than than the Rams. And Jerry Jones even said that himself, so I don't even count this as an away game for the Cowboys. Look, this elite defense, 
Cooper Rush playing well. Facts. They're on the up. Uh, Rams seem to be on the, the decline. I have to lean with the Cowboys here. Of course. I can... The reasons why I picked the Cowboys is similar to what you pretty said. Pretty much the exact same. Exactly. Pretty much the exact same. Although, like, Debo Samuel... I mean, not Debo Samuel. Um, CeeDee Lamb? CeeDee Lamb, sorry. CeeDee Lamb is maybe questionable. He, he's probably going to play at the end of the day. And it's just, like, they've been performing ext- extremely, like, well. Like, more... more well more than what most of us thought Cooper Rush is going to be able to perform. Mm-hmm. So he's doing really well right now, and the Rams are just on the decline, especially after the the Super Bowl win. You expect them to be, like, one of the best teams in the league. However, that's just not the case. They, not, yeah. They're just doing really, really bad at the moment. So it's just why I think the Cowboys are going to get the dub. And I think uh, the final game of Week 5 that I wanted to touch on before we move on to the next topic would be Bengals versus the Ravens. And you pick the Bengals in this game. I'm taking the uh, the Ravens in this game. I know the Bengals are coming off of a big win against the Dolphins. What gives you the faith that the Bengals will be able to knock off Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on Sunday Night Football? You know, you just got Joe Burrow and you just got Jamar Chase, and they've been getting it done. You know what I'm saying? They've been able to get it done. And Lamar Jackson, I just, I just don't have enough faith in him yet. I just don't. I just don't. What do you mean? I just, I just, over Joe Burrow, man, I just, same thing, man. It's just like, just got to have that heart in you. And I know Lamar Jackson got it in him, but Joe Burrow, man, he's just hungry, bro. And he wants to, he just wants to get, get to the Super Bowl and make it and win, man. And I, I see it in his eyes. Well, I'm not going to question that about the Bengals or Joe Burrow. And I think, you know, I think, I'm not, I don't know if Joe Burrow ever will win a Super Bowl, but uh, I don't think we could question his determination to do so. Exactly. But that has no factor in for me uh, as to why I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens uh, to win this game. Ultimately, you know, it's disappointing for me picking uh, the, uh, the Ravens even last week against the Buffalo Bills to see how that game ended, you yeah. know, at, yeah. at home. Ultimately, they choked, you know, flat out choked. John Harbaugh, I said it right when I saw the play. What are you doing going forward on fourth down here? They ended up throwing in an interception on that play. They could have kicked the field goal. They ultimately ended up losing by a field goal because the the Bills, led by Josh Allen, went straight down the field, kicked a field goal, won the game. That's another thing. They just choked. They just haven't been making smart decisions. But with that being said, I think, you know, let's not act like Lamar Jackson had a bad game in that game. He had a very, very good game minus the picks. You know, and and you never want to say minus the picks. Oh, my God, you're saying minus the picks. Well, that, that counts as a stat. Sure, but... You know, that Buffalo Bills defense, even though slightly banged up, it was, it was getting slightly healthy for that game. I, I don't want to factor in that too much. And ultimately, I don't think that they should have uh, even ran a play right there to, to get him that second interception. You know what I mean? They should have kicked the field goal, and then his stats would probably look slightly different. Obviously, they'd look way different. Of course. So I think that the Ravens will be motivated as ever to bounce back and win this game on Monday Night Football. Ultimately, last year, uh, the Bengals won the season series against the Ravens 2-0, swept them. I think even if they didn't choke to the Buffalo Bills last week, they would still have extra motivation going into this game just because uh, it's the Bengals and they smoked us last year. You know, that's what they're going to be saying in the in the locker room. And now, given the fact that they also choked last week, they choked against the Miami Dolphins, this team, they have to bounce back. And I know Lamar Jackson is going to be motivated as ever, and you wanted to talk about determination. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have the edge on everybody in terms of determination. I think we might see a signature Lamar Jackson game. And honestly, I feel like 
after we watch this game, we could be talking about uh, an MVP type of performance, something that we're going to circle back and be like, dang, this is the game right here. I'm talking a 400-yard game with three touchdowns. I'm talking one of those types of games. We're going to be like, wow, what a performance from Lamar Jackson. That's honestly what I'm expecting this week from, from, the, from the, the Ravens. And that's why I have to have uh, the ultimate faith and pick the Ravens. Even though they let me down last week, I was very disappointed. Again, they are a good squad. Don't, don't get me wrong. The Ravens, they got they got some good players on that team. However, I just and ultimate, yeah. I just I, I just don't think the I, know I just don't think the Ravens will be able to get it done over the Bengals. And I know you're trusting the Bengals, but like I pointed out last week when we talked about them and after their performance against the Dolphins, there were just some issues with the Bengals that I don't see them fixing in time for this game. Ultimately, they were able to win that game against the Dolphins. I still have a lot of concerns about their rushing attack. You know, I have concerns about if Joe Mixon will be able to get the same statistics that he did last year. And and look, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had a great year last year, but let's not undervalue the impact of how important Joe Mixon was to that Cincinnati Bengals team making it to the Super Bowl. And we have not quite seen him get the chances and get, you know, just have, he's not quite done what he did last season. And if they don't rectify that, Joe Burrow is going to have to throw the ball more. And we have seen this offensive line has not been great. Uh, that's, that's, being, that's being generous. They've been probably very, very terrible. Of course, I can agree. So when you factor all of that in, and I know that the Ravens have had a very long time to prepare for this game, I just don't quite see it. I just don't know if they've been able to, would have been able to prepare fully and really get ready for what Lamar and, and John Harbaugh are going to be cooking up because I think they're going to cook up a vintage game. Bet. So you ready to get into the next topic? I'm ready. Nice. So we got Tom Brady and his wife Giselle officially divorcing, breaking up. Mm-hmm. What are your initial thoughts? Well, my at first, you know, I, I'm not really, to be quite frank, I, I don't like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? We all know this. Uh, so at first I was honestly laughing. I was kind of celebrating to a certain extent. Some could call that weird. I was laughing at the fact that Tom Brady fumbled a supermodel. You know what I mean? And and I, I you know, it was it was very funny to me. However, once I really started thinking about this and I really, really analyzed it, I realized that this was a very bad thing. Tom Brady now has no motivation to stop playing football anytime soon. <laughs> and I know, boom, he's forty five years old. He should be stopping soon. No, he's he's still been playing well. Um, maybe not quite peak Tom Brady standard, but he's still, you know, and he hasn't had his receivers, but I know uh, yeah, I don't think he's been quite what he's been even in the last couple of years so far this year, even though he hasn't quite had his receivers. But I think that this is not great, you know, for me personally and any person that really doesn't like Tom Brady. However, if you're a fan of Tom Brady, you're a fan of the GOAT, um, you're celebrating this news. This is the best possible news you could have heard. Tom Brady, I think he's playing for the next potentially five years now. Some would call it a bold take. I think Tom Brady, now that he doesn't have Giselle in the mix... You know, breathing down his neck, begging him to retire. There's nothing stopping him. I think that he will continue to be playing potentially even for the next five years. I think now he's aiming for 50. I really do. I think he's aiming for 50. I, I, I don't know about that, man. If, over the years, bro, just being a quarterback, just getting hit and sacked over the years, bro, just it weighs a toll on you. It hasn't happened yet. Where's the toll? I, I, I just don't see that toll that you're talking about. I think Tom Brady is really gunning for 50 now. What's stopping him? I think he's maybe looking to get 10 Super Bowl rings. I don't know what his exact goals are, but I don't think he's stopping playing anytime soon now. 
Look, our main hope to get him to stop playing football was his family. You know, his family was going to drag him out of the game. That's there's that's not going to necessarily drag him out of it anymore. His wife is gone. You know, she's going to have the kids. I'm not saying Tom Brady's never going to see his kids. Of course, he loves his personally, kids. Personally, for me, I think he's going to just get one more Super Bowl ring and then he'll be done. He'll retire. But you don't know when that's going to come. Of course, but if it comes within the one next two years, it. He'll be done, and if it but does, what, but what if he doesn't win the Super Bowl in ne- the next three next, years? Next three, if if it's like within the next three or four years, then he's he'll just retire, because he, he'll know that. But at that le- point, you're basically you, you disagreed with me, but you're basically saying you could be playing up to forty nine. That's basically the same thing as fifty. Three years. I mean, I don't think I'm going to say five because that's fifty, and I think you know that would be a Tom Brady esque number to end on. Given you know that what I know about Tom Brady, I don't I don't know that like I think it would make a lot of logical sense for him to retire after he wins one more Super Bowl ring. But like I said, I don't think that's going to happen this year. So we're talking at least you know two more years now, and you know I, you never you can't really speak one year into the future, especially in the NFL world, because the favorites can change so so quick. Of course, but you know I th- I just think I don't know exactly where his head's at, but. I just don't know, man. I, th- I really do think he could be gunning for 50, and it's not the news I wanted to hear. But at first, I know I was celebrating it, but then I realized I, I, was, I was wrong. And it's, it's sad almost. You know, I, I was so close to getting this guy out of the league. This guy has tormented my entire life, He's tormented my childhood, you know, picked on my Dolphins my entire life. He will continue to be doing so. Even if he's in the NFC, last year we, the Dolphins played the Bucks. He still smoked us, man. It doesn't matter. He goes to the other conference and he still smokes us. He just he, he almost he practically owns the Dolphins at this point. And it's sad to say that's a Dolphins fan, but it's just it's just the truth. And I'm 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 actively counting down the days until he retires. But I, like I said, I don't think it's happening anytime soon now. I honestly think though, like this whole situation with his wife, like I think, or with his ex-wife, I think this will like affect like his performance at first. However, he'll be able to get over it pretty quickly. But at first, he'll just be thinking about like a whole bunch of things, like about like all the the money situation and his kids and everything. Like he uh, initially, like it will affect him, but he'll he'll get over it with time. Mm-hmm. I I tend to agree with that. I do think. Um we probably won't see the best version of Tom Brady right away. I do think he'll probably be motivated as ever. However, sometimes when you're a little bit too motivated and too, and too desire, and you have too much of a desire to perform well, that can actively hurt your performance because you're trying a little bit too hard and you just need to take what's in front of you and let the game flow. Let the game flow properly. And Tom Brady is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks. You know, he's probably the greatest quarterback ever anyway. But he's definitely one of the greatest quarterbacks at, at just taking what the defense gives you. And, you know, and someone, you know, I personally tend to call that a check down merchant. And that's one of Tom Brady's favorite things to do is, is hit the check down. Um, but, you know, some just call that playing good football and taking what the defense gives you. You know, that's neither here nor there. But I do think Tom Brady is going to actively be trying to probably overperform slightly. And I think that's going to hurt his performance. However, like, like I said, I don't think uh, they're going to lose to the Falcons this week or anything like that. But... Do I think we're going to see vintage Tom Brady just because uh, Giselle left him? No, I honestly, I, I think he's, after a few weeks, he'll be all right. And he'll be probably back to the Tom Brady that some people know and love. However, these first couple of weeks where he's still 
uh, dealing with the initial uh, feelings and initial reaction to this, all of this news kind of happening. So it'll be quickly. bothering. It, it'll, it'll be, be it'll be bothering his head. It, it's going to be uh, playing a role. You know, maybe he'll have to take some time away from the team playing uh, with practice and stuff like that to deal with this stuff. And ultimately, the Bucks are going to let Tom Brady knew need to do what he needs to do. And and I and I do love that because he deserves his uh, time to be able to do that. But I, I just think it's going to hold or alter his performance somewhat. But then, like you said, in a few weeks, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. And we'll be seeing the Tom Brady that everyone knows and loves. You know what I'm saying? Well, some people know and love. Not, not me. I, I don't. Then a lot of people say Antonio Brown disrespected him when, you know, he posted up with uh well he posted he put he posted a photo when I think it was when he won, when they won the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. It was when they won the Super Bowl and like his ex Tom Brady's ex wife was like giving him a hug and it was kinda looking it was kinda looking I don't know. You think it's looking sad? I'm not taking it that far. You me, know, I, yeah, don't, me I, neither. I don't I don't I mean like I wouldn't take it that far. I'm just saying like people are saying that it's looking suspicious. I don't know. Um, I think it's just a photo. I, I exactly. I think it's just a photo. But I do think Antonio Brown. He knows exactly what to do when to stir media up and stir the press up. And I think that's exactly what he was doing with this photo. You know, it's not a coincidence that right when this news was uh, about to break and, and did break, that AB post this photo. You know, let's be honest here. Tom Brady literally had Antonio Brown living in his home for uh, when, when he was on the Bucks at some point. So it would be safe to assume that Giselle and Antonio Brown became, you know, maybe not close friends, but acquaintances or slash friends. Of course. During the, that time. And even though Antonio Brown is still friends with Tom Brady, he's probably still now friends with Giselle because they had a relationship. But it's nothing more than that. And I don't, I don't think it's disrespectful. I just think, you know, probably if it was me, I wouldn't have posted it because that's my, you know, if I was boys with Tom Brady, you know, I'm always going to be, I'm not, I'm just not going to. Do that, but but he has said in the past like he's not boys with him. I guess, but after you know he he, he he says things, but then he doesn't really say things. You know what I'm saying? It's in Tony Brown. I take everything he says with a grain of salt to a certain. You know what I mean? Um, given everything Tom Brady's done for him, you know I know that he rocks with Tom Brady. So check the stats. He wasn't throwing him the ball. That's not true. As much as Ben Roethlisberger. But that's like like you can't even have yeah, that debate. Yeah, of, of course, because obviously Tom Brady had a, has a lot other the options other, and, and, other and, options. And he wasn't uh, the, the player that he was on the Steelers when he was with the Bucks. Of course, Antonio Brown was uh, arguably not even arguably he was the best receiver in the NFL when he was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was no debate about that. This guy was unbelievable. You listen, to, you know what I mean. He was the wide receiver. That's what that. Hey, but I. That's what Antonio uh, Brown I, said. But I don't even listen to what Antonio Brown says half the time. You, <laughs> I take it with a grain of salt. But I look at the, the, the facts. I like to look at the facts. And the facts is? You, well, you said he was one of the, at one time, he was one of the best number one receiver in the there's NFL. No, there's no debate about that. People are saying his career is over because of all the scandals that have come up recently about him. I agree. It's, his career is over. I can definitely agree it's it's looking like he's not going back to the NFL. Yeah, no, Antonio Brown will never get another opportunity in the NFL. Some people say it's unfortunate. I say, you know, there are definitely some teams that could use Antonio Brown's talent even now. But the teams that would be actively looking to get Antonio Brown don't even want to deal with the drama. Exactly. Any team that would want to realistically get Antonio Brown would be a contender. And that's the team 
Uh, any, you name any contender, they don't want to deal with the media drama and all the scandal that comes up with Antonio Brown's name. Not a single team. Exactly. Buffalo doesn't want to do it. Green Bay Packers don't want to do it. The Ravens don't want to do it. Ravens don't want to do it. Any team that needs a wide receiver or is a contender or both, they don't want to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Even the Houston Texans, ability-wise, of course, you know, they, they have no one close to yeah. Antonio Brown. It's the Houston Texans. But even the Texans would rather stick with the receivers that they got that uh, they're not great, and rather than get Antonio Brown, because they just it is w- literally worth it to just rock with the trash guys you got than to deal with Antonio Brown. He's dug himself a hole. If he did want to play in the NFL, which he said in interviews that he really doesn't anymore, he's done with that. He's moving yeah. on to the next chapter. But even if he did, uh, he's done. No team would even look he's, at signing him. Yeah, it's like he's trying to develop a rap career now, and he's, he's doing just, other things. He's working he, with Kanye. He's doing all kinds of crazy things. He's, he's moved on to his next endeavors. It's crazy though. Some of his scandals, like recently, he just was at a hotel and he was he's just like flashed everyone at the pool and he's apparently like facing like a lawsuit or some some type of criminal punishment for that. Yeah, it's just that was crazy. And it, I mean, you can't just be flashing people at pools, man. It's like during the daytime and, and stuff, brother, or whatever. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean everything was out, and I mean everything. When, when, just like when a bunch of people are there, man, you just can't be doing that. I mean, we saw the photos. I mean, it was. And then, and then, and then you got him scamming a person named Ryan Kane who lives in Florida. He just he scammed him for a, a Richard a, Milley. Exactly, a Richard Milley. He he charged him one hundred and sixty thousand when it wasn't worth more than a couple hundred bucks. It was fake as hell. Antonio Brown bought bought the fake Richard Milley in Dubai and tried to pawn it off. He bought a couple of them and tried to you know try to make a quick. Quick hundred thousand, bro. Well, bro, it's just crazy. I don't really man. understand why he would do that. That's not, what I'm saying. Yeah, because he, if, appa- he was, if he was needing the money, why would he? Because he has a, apparently he has a lot of money because he was in the NFL and he was making a lot of money because of his contracts, whatever, whatever. But then why are you scamming? You know, you, you know what I'm saying. Just your average person, or not your average person, whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's just, just sad. But you know, we were speaking a little bit on um, Antonio Brown, his career being over, and the scandals. So the the final question I would like to pose to you about Antonio Brown is, look, we know, like we mentioned, we know how good he was at one point of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was uh, the number one receiver in the NFL. No debate about that. If, let's just say Antonio Brown, hypothetically, didn't do some of these crazy things that he did, where would he be all-time? Would he be an all-time great? Would he be top five all-time? Top 10, yeah. Some would say he's already top 10 now, even though he did do some of the scandals. You're placing him in the top 10, but top 5 is a very, 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 very limited list. So you're not you're not putting him in? No, no. I would have to really look over it, but as of right now, no. Def- just not. N- no. For me personally, uh, I disagree. I think if Antonio Brown never did some of these crazy scandals that he did, and obviously that's a crazy hypothetical scenario, if he didn't do these, he would no doubt in my mind be a top five wide receiver all time. First of all, this is with all of the scandals that he's done. His career stats being 928 catches for 12,291 yards, 88 touchdowns, seven Pro Bowl appearances, and one championship with the Bucks. 
let's just assume he didn't do some of these crazy things. These stats would be even better. We're talking over a thousand catches. We're talking probably over fifteen thousand yards. We're talking over a hundred touchdowns if he didn't do some of these things. We're talking probably ten ten plus Pro Bowl appearances, and, and potentially we're talking about another title to his name. You do you add you look at that resume and you're thinking, oh my god, he's this this resume on its own right here that I just listed off is a top ten receiver of all time, no doubt in my mind. Exactly. So we're talking peak A B getting to inflate these stats even more, potentially winning another title, there would be no doubt in my mind. He, he, I've, I'm thinking he would be even competing potentially. I'm not going to say he's overtaking it. I'm saying competing. You'd be in the discussion with Jerry Rice. You would be in the discussion. I'm not saying overtake him. I say he'd be in the discussion. You would have to put the two in the same sentence. But although I'd still take Jerry Rice. You know what I mean? Let's make that very clear. I would still take Jerry Rice. However... It would be a discussion. Now it's obviously no discussion, but it would be a discussion between him and Jerry Rice. That's how that's how confident I am in the fact if Antonio Brown didn't do some of these things, that's that's, that's how confident I am he would be up there. I'm just not so sure about that because you got a lot of receivers in that list. You got like Randy Moss, man. Like you got you got a lot of receivers. Of course, that can make, that's going to be it's, in that it's, it's Antonio Brown. Some people, you know, they could make that list because of some of the scandals have been so bad. Some people forget just how good this guy was. That's very true. I can and agree with that's that. That's the point, and and I'm not saying that that's you in particularly, but I'm saying that's just how it is. These scandals have overpowered his name, ruined his name, tarnished his legacy to a certain extent. But when you just look at it from the football perspective, that this is this guy is elite. He was elite, and in this hypothetical scenario that he didn't do these things, <sighs> them stats would have been utterly ridiculous, and and would have been in that conversation with Jerry Rice. Speaking of receivers, man, let's talk about Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. He recently announced that his preferred destinations on which teams he would like to go to in the NFL. Exactly, because he's still a free agent. So let's let's name that list out really quick. The Packers, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Bills, and the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he should go to the Bills because I know like for a fact he would win a, a, another Super Bowl with that team. It, it would be amazing to have Stephon Diggs and – Odell Beckham on the same squad it, for Josh Allen. It would just he would just have just another tar- target to throw it to. It would just it, I just see, see, feel like that's the move. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, if I was Odell Beckham and and this is my list and my list would uh, consisted of the Packers, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Bills, and the Ravens. It depends on my exact goals. However, I'm going to break it down into two, two, two scenarios based on I don't know exactly what Odell's goals are. Okay, if I'm Odell Beckham and I'm 100% ring chasing, in my opinion, you go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, we have seen a elite, elite, elite version of Patrick Mahomes so far this year. I'm talking, I, pay, I picked him to win MVP at the start of the year. I mean, you saw that play last week. I mean, this is MVP-level Mahomes. And look, right now their wide receiver core consistent of Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Miko Hardman. You add uh, Odell Beckham Jr. into that list, I think that literally makes the Chiefs that much better. And you give Mahomes the, a weapon as good as Odell Beckham, going to be fully healthy, that is going to send shockwaves across the NFL. I think that that... Instantly, if, if people weren't saying the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites at, at this very moment, you get Odell Beckham, I think they become Super Bowl favorites even above the Bills. 
and and, and, I, and the Buffalo Bills are a very very good team. But Buffalo that, Bills are an elite team. But I think Odell will be able to shift the pendulum just enough. However, if Odell is looking for a hundred percent the best opportunity to get the best stats, I think he should go to the Green Bay Packers. Of course, I can definitely agree with that. Right now, their receiving receiving core consists of Alan Lazard, who's been kind of banged up, uh, Dob or Dubes, and then uh, Randall Cobb. Not the best. Not the best. You know, Lazard has been slightly injured. You know, Cobb, he's a little bit past his prime. You add Odell in- to that, he becomes instantly Aaron Rodgers' number one yeah. target. Cobb and OG. He becomes Aaron Rodgers' number one target, and I think that would be exactly what Aaron Rodgers would need to actually have a little bit more success with this Packers team because, look, more so than any other Packers team I've ever seen, you know, they're literally a run-first team. And when you have a quarterback That's crazy. as good as Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rogers. you're a run-first team. It's actually unbelievable to me to a certain extent. You give him Odell Beckham, I think, wow, this offense would become really 50-50, man. And, and that would open up the running game even more because now you got a wide receiver right there with Odell Beckham. You really got to be worried about. And you can run play action. So exactly. Run there's, up, open up the running there's game. There's just like, so many options. And I think Odell would have a field day with the Green Bay Packers. And I think, you know, the NFC would be slightly the, the easier conference to go into. You know what I'm saying? And I think if the Packers were able to get Odell Beckham, I think, you know, they would be in a much better position to make a Super Bowl run than they are now. Of course. You know, I don't know if I'm quite sold on the Packers yet. You know, it wasn't a very convincing performance last week against a banged-up New England Patriots team led by Bailey Zapp. Definitely was not uh, a very convincing performance, however. But it's Odell's stats would go up. Exactly, and... I'm not going to say, like I said, that's why I don't think that's the place he goes if he wants to win a championship 100%, but he still could win a championship there. You don't want to rule it out 100% because it's the NFL. And, that, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers, never want to count him out. But if you want to get that guaranteed championship or, or cl- about as close to it as you can get, I think you go to the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously, the Buffalo Bills are a great option as well. I'm thinking definitely the Bills. But, but I wanted to, you know, I think a lot of people are going to say the Bills, and I wanted to give a little bit of focus onto these two teams. And, and I think that th- these are two very, very good options for uh, Odell Beckham. So let's shoot it straight into the NBA. Yeah. We got Victor Wombayama. Yeah, Wombayama. Number one draft pick. Well, or, projected. Well, well, projected to be the number one draft pick. Yeah. Facing off against project the projected number two draft pick, Scoot Henderson. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great game overall, man. Both Both players, they showed... They have immense talent, and Scoot Henderson was even though over Victor Wombayana's height, he's like seven four, seven yeah. foot four. Scoot Henderson was able to move around that, which I haven't seen really a lot of players been able to do that. Just Victor Wombayana either just blocks the shot or just he's just there under the rim right away. So if you miss, no one's getting a rebound over him. It's just crazy, but he was able to move around him and make some make some buckets. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to lie. My overall thoughts on what I saw from Victor Wembanyama, I have never seen anything like this before in my, my entire life. There's, this guy is doing things that, that are, are literally, I had to take a sec. I had to pause the highlights. I had to pause these videos that we I'm We played them back. I had, and I, I'm saying, what? And I think that's the initial reaction that everybody saw when they first watched this guy. This guy is just unbelievable. He's utterly unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. I'm seeing him do... Turnaround fadeaways 
like like he's Kevin Durant or LeBron at seven foot four. We're talking about a Yao Ming height guy, and and, and, oh, and this is not even mentioning the fact he's an elite three point shooter at seven four. There will never be an, a, an NBA player who blocks his shot from the three-point line. This guy takes a jump shot. It is not getting blocked. It's literally unguardable. If this guy takes a jump shot, it is unguardable. I, 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 LeBron and, basically calling him a freak of nature, an alien. And, and it's not even just the jump shot that's unguardable. I don't see any way you can just guard him in general. He, he, does, unless, he barely has to jump to dunk. Unless he misses his shot, you can't guard him. He can shoot over you. He can put you in the post. He will dominate the paint. There is nothing this guy can't do. Listen to these stats. This matchup against Scoot Henderson, 37 points on 11 of 20 field goal, uh, field goal, and then 7 of 11 from three-point line, which for me, look, dropping 37 points is great and all, but that's the main thing for me that, that blows me away. To be able to shoot 7 of 11 from Ooh. the three-point line at that height, stretching the floor, like, Unbelievable. Literally, this guy is the epitome of what you want in the modern NBA, and he is actually c- consistent. Literally, exactly. Nowadays, for a big in the NBA, you want him to be able to stretch the floor. You need a guy who can make a three every now and then from your big guy. Whoever gets Victor Wimbenyama is not only getting a guy who can make the three sometimes. You're getting a guy who can make the three very, very, very consistently. You're talking about a and guy. And get rebounds. You can't cover him. You can't leave him open. Exactly. You, you, you literally can't. And then, as, as if the matchup against Scoot Henderson wasn't enough, he also plays in another game, drops 36, 11, right, 11 rebounds, four blocks, and he has a plus minus of plus 26. Incredible. These, these stats literally blow me away, and I don't think anybody has ever seen something Quite like this, it, of course. It's, it's mind blowing, but I don't want the uh, like obviously and, and no, it, rightfully so. Everybody is talking about Victor Wembanyama, rightfully so. This is this is utterly unbelievable. I, I don't know how many times I can say it before, like like it's just it almost makes you lost for words to a certain extent after what I, what we saw. This guy is just so 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 good, but. Scoot Henderson also was very, very, exactly. very impressive. You know what I'm saying? And obviously a lot of people are going to talk about Victor Wimanyama, myself included, because Jesus, man, what I saw literally might be the greatest prospect I have ever seen. But Scoot Henderson had a very, very, very good performance against Wimanyama. And like you said, he was able to get into the paint and attack the basket against Wimanyama, which you don't see players do. Never see. Like, we're talking, we've seen, we saw some of the blocks Wimanyama has. I mean, he's just unbelievable on defense. And we saw Scoot Henderson be able to attack the basket and get some layups over Wimanyama and, and be very, very effective doing so. He did get some shots blocked, but that's to be expected of when course. you're playing Wimanyama. He's a freak of nature. Let's see, uh, Scoot Henderson in the, in the game drops 28 points on 11 of 21 for shooting, two from three from the three-point line, five rebounds, nine assists. It looks to be a very well-rounded performance. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people obviously rightfully so are going to talk about Victor Wimanyama, but Scoot Henderson seems to me has locked himself in to be that number two overall pick. And, and, and honestly, most drafts he probably would be number one. But when you got a guy like this, you, you, I mean, it's just unbelievable, man. Of course. And, you know, everyone's initial reaction after watching these two games, myself included, is, dang, my team should fucking tank for this guy. My team, that's everyone's reaction. Every fan of even a mid-team is saying, I, I, I would rather my team 
lose games this year than win games so that I could get, I can get this guy on my team. Because let's be real, Victor Wembanyama might never really become a free agent in the sense of this, like whatever gets him is going to want to keep him forever. This guy's you know what I mean. This guy is just unbelievable. But the question I want to pose to you. Should NBA teams be tanking as hard as they are expected to to get Victor Wembanyama, even the, you know, given how good he uh, is expected to be? Not necessarily, because the negative, the negative effects that be, that can come from tanking the, the season. Your fa- your fans are they're just not going to respect you. Your home your hometown. Whenever you, whenever you guys go to play a home home game, man, the fa- the fans are just going to be yelling and screaming in the but, crowd. But saying a lot of fans are clamoring to tank. Nah, but not the die hardcore fans that really want their team to win. But I, I would say there are a lot of fans who are clamoring to tank. <sighs> I, I but in just, your in your opinion, you would I, just you wouldn't. In my opinion, I just I wouldn't. Even though you you know we watched the same we watched the same game. Of course, but I know that there's other people in the draft that have a lot of potential, including that will that will be in the draft that have a lot of potential, including Scoot Henderson. Look. And if I was a fan of a team that's even mid, especially if I was a fan of a trash team, but if I was a fan of a team that's even mid, it's expected to, let's just say you go 40, you're expected to go 41 and 41, literally 500. That's about as mid as you can get. If I was a fan of any team like that. I'm not talking about being a Warriors fan. I'm not talking about being an elite, elite NBA fan. I'm talking about a fan of a mid team. If you're in that position, I would literally want my team to go 0-82. I, I, that's where I'm at. This I don't I don't need to see anything else. If I was a fan of a mid team, I would literally want my team to go 0 and 82, burn the fucking stadium down. That is like literally do whatever it takes to to lose games to get this guy. If I'm Oklahoma City, I would I'm literally taking the G League team and promoting them to the NBA and saying, "All right, you're the NBA players now. I know y'all are gonna suck, but that's it. That's what I'm doing. This guy is too good to pass up on. I it literally." Everybody should be doing everything they can. Everything, and I think that, that we're going to see it this year. People, teams are going to do everything in their power to get this guy. Honestly, I think we're going to see such a frenzy to tank this year that rules are going to be put in place after the season to, to change it up because we are about to see an utter tank fest. I think there are going to be there's going to be a, a very weird thing in the NBA this year. It's either going to be your team is either good. Or your team is really, really bad. And I don't think there's going to be much in between. And why is there not going to be much in between? Victor Wembanyama is the exact reason why. This guy, we're talking 15 years of excellence. You give up one year for 15 years of excellence. I'm taking that trade any day of the week. If I'm an Orlando Magic fan, if I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I'm going to the GM's office. If I could get there, I am knocking on the door. I'm getting on my hands and knees. And I'm begging him to make this team lose games to get this guy. That's how good I think he's going to be. That's where I'm at with Victor Wimanyama. That's really where I'm at. Would you agree with Richard Jefferson's comments saying that if he was in the same draft class as LeBron, LeBron would have been second? I really had to think about this. Look, anybody who knows me knows how much I love LeBron James. And, and, and Diehard fan. And that's what makes it even crazy for me to think about. I actually agree with Richard Jefferson here. LeBron James as a prospect was probably one of, if not the greatest prospect we've ever seen. 
and he actually lived up to the hype. And I would say Wen Banyama is probably the first prospect to get this amount of hype since LeBron James. So I think it's a very fair comparison. And obviously Richard Jefferson saying if they were in the same draft class, LeBron would be two, Wembenyama would be one. And I have to agree with that. And I know it's crazy to say. However, we look at what Wembenyama can do. He can do things right now before he gets to the NBA that LeBron still can't do. He, this guy's a knockdown three-point shooter. This guy, seven foot four, has the natural athleticism that LeBron, like he's, LeBron's just not that tall. Obviously LeBron is a freak of nature in terms of he's built. He's a fright train. And in this prime, unbelievable and I, and I love LeBron I, you don't have to tell me twice about that but the things Wembanyama can do on the court he is so well-rounded to be seven foot four I mean this guy he has he could be a point guard but he's seven foot four it's just unbelievable if they were in the same draft class just based on the potential and what 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 you can do you have to go Victor Wimbanyama. And I know it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's hard. It's, it's unbelievable it's, to say that. And it's, it's, un- it's almost, crazy. It's crazy that I'm even saying that. Because because LeBron James, just like his knowledge of the game, like his knowledge of the core and the way he yeah. plays. And like, but and, and but the, see, that's, that's, there's obviously some intangibles that LeBron has developed throughout his career that you can't really take into account when talking about this debate. Exactly. And a lot of people in the comments section where, uh, on the photo where we took this quote from Breacher Report were saying, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Because LeBron, we know what he lived up to. We know, you know, some people say uh, uh, he's the greatest player of all time. But he's developed some he stuff developed, over his He career. developed himself into that. We have to look at this as if it's 18-year-old LeBron versus 18-year-old Victor Wimbanyana. you got to pick Wimbanyana. And you just, it's crazy to say it, but you have to pick Wimbanyama because of, of this, the things that we just talked about. I mean, the things that he can do. 7 of 11 from 3, and he's 7-4. Four. Four. You saw the way he was dribbling down the court. You did. You saw it. Seven foot I'd never four. seen it, man. And, 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 and it's just, I just, it's unbelievable. It makes me speechless to even talk about Victor Wimbanyama because he's just so good. He's just so good. I, I like, uh, he's just so, so, so good. He's, he's just unbelievable. And, and I can't wait to continue to watch him play. It makes me want to watch the G League. I want to tune into the G League just to see what else this guy can do because every time he touches the court, so far I've just been amazed. Before we get into the next topic, I did want to... Are, are you ready to get into the next topic? Mm-hmm. Before we did, I wanted to mention that LeBron James did mention he wanted to own a team in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What do you think the likely chances of that happening? And do you think he will be a... We were, I know we talked about this on the podcast, but do you think he'll be one of the, the greats of, the, uh, of NBA owners? One of the best? I do think that ultimately LeBron will kind of get what he wants. You know, if he wants an NBA team in Vegas, he'll get that. You know, and I firmly believe that. Um, but will he become a, a all-time ownership great? Um, That's. I, I tend to think yes. You know, because ultimately we didn't quite see it with Michael Jordan. However, it's the Charlotte Hornets. You know, <laughs> it's not a large market. Uh, I don't think they were ever necessarily going to be set up for success. Even though you got Michael Jordan, I, I just didn't quite see it. However, Vegas is a big market. And, and LeBron has already showed his ambition as an owner. You know, a little bit he's talked about it. And I, and I think, you know, you mix in large market, LeBron's ambition, and the fact that people are going to want to go to Vegas, you know, and live there. There, there. there will be a desire to go to that team, you know, not only because of LeBron, but just because it's a great place to live. Of course. So when you take all those things into consideration, plus, he has a home there. And plus the fact that I think LeBron will be able to help in the drafting process, and I think they'll be able to draft uh, excellently because LeBron, if anybody, I trust this guy 
on evaluating talent. Of course. Yeah, so, so when you take in all of that into account, I have to think that LeBron will be a great owner. And I think uh, NBA team in Vegas, I don't quite know if, if they're going to move a team or if they're going to expand the league. Uh, I don't quite know if they should actually move a team. You know, I, I quite yeah, like. I think I, they I, should I, expand the I, league. I quite like where teams are at now, and it would be almost sad to a certain extent to see a team move. However, if they're going to expand the league and, and add more teams, boom, Las Vegas definitely should get one. And if they are going to do that, I think you have to add two, but keep it even. Seattle should be the other 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 city. Exactly. At. I think that would be great. Bring I would back love Seattle. To, I, would, I would love to see that. So yeah, that's where I stand on that. If you're going to bring a team to Vegas. You have to expand the league. Don't move any teams. I don't really want to. I hate it when I see when teams move like that. You know, it's just sad to me because it's like a team losing, or it's like a city losing their team, and, and, the, and that get connection. It, get, it, it would be like, like for me as a Dolphins fan if the Dolphins just left and they went to I don't know a new team. I, I would just be devastated. So get a team in Seattle and let Gary Payton be a part of it. For yeah, sure. And he's already expressed his desire to do that. So exactly. I, so I, like I said, I think, I think that would be good and and. I think LeBron ultimately kind of always gets what he wants, this, uh, and so I think it's going to happen. Bet. So now let's talk about Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, man. Draymond Green swinging him. I mean. Practically knocking him out. When we first added this topic uh, to the list, we, we didn't even know that the video was going to come out. You know, the video comes out this morning. Now that we've seen the video, it's just unbelievable to me, almost what I saw in the video. I mean, it, it was just almost like an unprovoked action, it seemed like to me. You know, Draymond's over here sitting in the corner, and then all of a sudden he starts going towards Jordan Poole, and next thing you know, he's swinging on him. It was a clean punch, too. I mean, he got a good connection, got him with that hook, my boy. I mean, nighty-night, Jordan Poole. But, you know, it's ultimately you don't want to see that. You know, And it's kind of weird. You know, Not all the details, obviously, are, have come out, or will they come out? I don't know. Uh, so we don't exactly know 100% why this happened. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to speculate because I'd like for the, the full information to come out if it is going to before I speculate on why this fight happened. Of course. But my initial thoughts is, is that, you know, it, it's just kind of weird to me. I, mean, I don't understand it, but, you know, I, I just don't really know why Draymond would do it. But I don't think Draymond is, is although he can be hot-headed and tempered at times. Like He's not going to do it for no reason. It just doesn't make any sense for him to do that at practice for no reason against, you know, that's his boy, Jordan Poole. You know, they're, they're like, like I don't know, maybe they, maybe they weren't as close of friends as we all thought. You know, maybe the Warriors weren't as tight-knit. I don't know, man. It's just really weird, man. Coming off of a championship, everyone's on cloud nine happy, and then they're, they're fighting. I just, I don't know, man. I, it, I'm, I'm kind of baffled to a certain extent by it. Yeah, I'm I used, little, to, I used to be baffled. a huge, like, Warriors fan overall, but, like, I've seen a lot of, after this incident, I've also seen a lot of previous clips of Draymond Green just being a dirty player, and I just don't agree with overall his actions and what he's done in the NBA. Like, he's just, like, bullied, practically bullied players, like, mm -hmm. shoving them and, like, pushing them, like, to the ground for no reason and just, like, like kicking them in their nut, nuts, you know what I'm saying? Just, like, crazy stuff that, like, doesn't have to be done. Like, <laughs> just play basketball. Like, yeah. just, just play the game of basketball because that's what we all want to see at the end of the day. Yeah. The top players compete, and, like, if you're not competing fair, then why should he be able to compete in the first place? And don't get me wrong. That's not saying I, I don't know, if, like, I don't believe that they should kick him out of the league. However, I do think he should change up his act a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I could agree with that, especially given, you know, when you're on the Warriors and how popular Draymond Green has gotten because he's been a – star player on the Warriors you're a role model exactly and you don't want players picking up some of these actions you know what I'm saying that we've seen Draymond do over the years although some people make the argument that Draymond he just has a, a larger will to win than other people and he was willing to do anything that is done in the book whether you you agree with it morally or not he will do whatever it takes to win 
And to a certain degree, I respect that because, you know, looking back on my playing days when I played sports, I was very much similar. And the people who know me can truly attest to that. You know, I, I was one of them guys, you know, kind of similar to Draymond. I'll do whatever it takes to win, man. I will foul you. I'll, I will <laughs> kick you. I will do whatever it takes. You'll even cause a penalty. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes if I think it will help us win the game. And, and, and everyone can attest to you're that. You're playing soccer. You could get a red card. I've done it. I've done it. You know, look, the people the people will comment that they'll, that they've seen those red cards. They, you know what I mean? Hey, the people that have seen them, you know, hey, t- tell Blue in the comments down <laughs> below. You know, let them know. But anyway, back back to Dr- Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. I, I'm just baffled by the video itself as to why it happened. I think more details will come out. However, I do want to touch on exactly, you know, there's now uh, the Warriors are taking legal action to try to figure out how exactly this uh, video leaked. You know, because this was not supposed to get out, obviously. This video was not supposed to get out. And now people are speculating, why did it get out? Who leaked it? How did it leak? How do you think this video got out? I definitely think that TMZ played one of the uh, team employees. TMZ definitely paid TMZ. One, uh, TMZ yeah, TMZ paid, like, a team employee, whether it was, like, a, a ball collector, whatever it was. A bag. Wh- whoever it a was. bag. Paid him, like, 60000 Crazy bag. Maybe even more. 80000 Okay. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how much. You're right. Like I don't even know how much a video like this would cost, but I, I think that's a very uh, possible theory. Um, if I'm if I'm to make up my own theory, and and I hope we do kind of find out how this video came out. I think we will because the Warriors are taking legal action. Probably in the next coming weeks, we will find out exactly how this happened. But if I'm to make my own uh, speculation on, on why it came out, uh, I'm thinking potentially it came out because Draymond Green wanted this to be out. You know, cl- a clutch sports move to get it out. You know, I, I don't think I think one of the first things we saw, even when it was just verbally that, that we knew this happened, we saw the first things that happened was Draymond's side of the story got out first before Jordan Poole's. It was reported first from Yahoo Sports, Chris B. Haynes. He told Draymond's side of the story first. Facts. And I think, when you know, you don't ever, I, like if I'm to look into that, you know, and, and look, this could have nothing to do with it. It's speculation at the end of the day. However, if I'm to look into this, I think. This could be a strategic move uh, by Clutch Sports and Draymond Green to, you know, get his side of the story out. However, if that is the case, uh, you know, this video kind of looks bad on Draymond. Of but, course. So, you know, what was their exact thinking with that? I, I, I don't know. But, you know, it could be a ploy to potentially get out of the Golden State Warriors. Maybe he wants to uh, move to a new team. And, and he's using this as, as leverage, okay? Like... I've but done just all, his relationship with Steph and Clay, like. But it, it, I think I think Draymond and the Warriors have been have slowly, even though they did win a championship, I think they've slowly started to move away. I think we started to see that. You know, where I mean? is Draymond going? It, it's it's clutch sports speculation, and you know, and, and like I said, this is literally pure speculation. At the end of the day, don't take kind of this with a grain of salt. But if 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 that if my theory is true, and he's doing that it, for that reason, I think he could be making a ploy. Uh, to get out out of the Warriors to potentially get to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Lakers. He's linked up with LeBron. He's ha- he's shown his desire to play with LeBron, and ever since he's it's had very very true. And ever since he's got his own platform with his podcast, we have seen more and more Draymond Green and and showing LeBron love. LeBron, yeah. And and look, it's not to say that LeBron and Steph don't respect each other, but they have been rivals, and yeah, I, and, of and you could see maybe that. Draymond becoming so fond of LeBron, maybe it's it's, it's getting in the way of, of their chemistry as a team. And ma- if Draymond is thinking like, hey, this is my chance here. Let me delete this video, get to the Lakers. Let me play with LeBron. It, maybe maybe that's something he really wants to do. Before, and, and maybe he wants to do it 
before he becomes fully, fully washed. You know, he wants to actually be able to contribute. Fully, on a, fully washed. Look, look, he's yeah, fully exactly fully, fully washed. Like, you, I don't think Draymond wants to go play with LeBron when he isn't. Can he can't really do shit? Of course. And, and some would say Draymond's already getting to that point. So it's now or never almost. Of and, course. And so if that's his strategy, I, I kind of see it. And that leads me into my next point. Given everything that, that has now come out about this, should the Warriors get rid of Draymond Green? Definitely. I think the Warriors should get rid of Draymond Green because I think he'll have a wake-up call and it will potentially change up his act and he'll actually, like, not, you know, go crazy and, like, do rambunctious things. And maybe if he's playing with LeBron, you know, LeBron will wise him up and be like, yo, like, we don't have to kick people in the balls to, <laughs> to win games. Like, we're just going to win games with pure good basketball and I think they'll be able to get it done. I, 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 I actually agree with this. I think the Warriors, after seeing this video, I think they, they should get rid of Draymond Green. Although, you know, Steve Kerr has not necessarily said anything to that degree yet, or, or anybody on the Warriors' uh, front office. I, I think, look, look at the premise. He literally sucker punched Jordan Poole, who, you know, he's expected I to get I think Jordan it. Poole, like, pushed him, tried to push him away. And that's kind of, look, when you, you step up to him like that, that's to be expected. And then, boom, sucker punch. I think. And he fell. Like, he just, he dropped. I mean, he come just on. dropped. I think that the Warriors, you know, they're about to give Jordan Poole a bag. Did you think Jordan he's, Poole he's was punching guy. back? No. Well, he had no chance. <laughs> but, look, I think that the Warriors are, they're, they're clearly about to give Jordan Poole a bag. It, it was even said that part of why Draymond did it was because he, he thought Jordan Poole was getting an ego because of the big bag he was about to get. So I think the Warriors are investing in Jordan Poole as to be part of their future, and Draymond Green is on the decline. If they have to pick a side here and Jordan Poole is saying, bro, it's him or me, they're picking Jordan Poole. All day. And I know Draymond Green is a Warriors legend, but even Warriors fans will agree with me on this. They obviously would pick Jordan Poole to be like, like they're keeping him over that's Draymond. that's the future. That's the future. And even for next season, who's contributing more to the Warriors? Jordan Poole is going to contribute more to this team. You know, Draymond obviously is always going to have that moral leadership and shit like that. But on the court, points, rebounds, shit like that, the, the actual who's affecting the game, Jordan Poole. So if you got to pick one, you got to pick Jordan Poole, see a Draymond Green. And if that means he's going to go link up with the Lakers, I'm actually a big fan of that because I think the Warriors or the Lakers need all the help they can get. Because you're a really, you're a big LeBron fan. Exactly. So if that's going to help LeBron get a championship, I'm, I'm, rocking, for I'm rocking with that. Of course. I think it's a good move. Bet. So let's talk about soccer. I'm ready for this. I'm ready. We got the all-time great, the legend, arguably the best soccer player to ever play the game. I'm going to say the best. Saying this will be his last World Cup. And he will obviously be playing for his home country, Argentina. My initial thoughts? I was going to ask first... Do you think that they have a chance to win? That's what I, I'm sure everyone wants to know. I think Argentina have a very, very, very good chance at winning the World Cup. Yes. Oh, look, I, uh, I, I, I gotta disagree with you there. Ranked currently number three in the FIFA World Rankings, which look, we're gonna get into that in a second. Take them with a grain of salt. <laughs> However, Argentina currently 35 matches unbeaten. They are on the verge. Potentially, they will break it during the World Cup breaking the all-time record that Italy just set of most matches unbeaten in football history for an international team. Look, 
we've look if we're going to compare this to other Argentina sides, you know, the 2018 World Cup side was not not that great. We kind of knew that they weren't going to win the World Cup. Although all Messi fans including myself held out that hope. And if you remember that game against France, if that game goes one play differently, you know, Benjamin Pavard scored a banger. Something like Argentina had a chance to win that game if you really remember watching it. But this current Argentina team, Angel Di Maria playing unbelievable right now uh, for Juventus, but also for the national team, he's been playing unbelievable. Julian Alvarez, Man City's backup striker, currently on great form for the for, for club off the bench, replacing Haaland sometimes, but also for the country. Lautaro Martinez doing very, very good things for the national team. DePaul doing very good things in that midfield. And obviously, uh, Scaloni has transformed this team as the manager done very very good things and that was probably the main issue for argentina they needed to fix the manager they have their defense is very 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 good in my opinion and this team is ready to ride or die for messi they will look you really know about this argentina team they want to help messi in every way possible they will literally run through the brick wall if you tell them to if i go to the argentina team and say run through this brick wall for messi all of them are going one of the reasons why i just don't believe they'll win the world cup is that there's too much competition of course, but that's that's always going to be the case. No, but I mean, like, the the teams are just way too good. Like, you got England, you got France, you got especially Brazil, who are the favorites. Look. I just don't I just don't think they'll be able to get it done over the last those teams. Copa, the last Copa America, Argentina-Brazil, we just saw Argentina win. There's a major, that's a major trophy right there. We saw Argentina beat Brazil. Brazil, we're going to get into them. They're not quite my concern. They're not, I'm not worried about them to a certain extent. Sounds crazy to say because they're a lot of people's favorites. I just don't have a lot of faith in them. We're going to get into that. However, Argentina for me, are they going to win it? That's not what I'm saying by this, but I'm saying they have a very, very good chance, and, and they, they're going to be there. And Messi, you know, a lot of people were clowning on Messi last year because of his form. He wasn't, he, hey, man, it was PSG. League One is a farmer's league, and Messi can't even dominate it. <laughs> We've seen it so far this year. Messi is playing different, and everybody said it, including myself. When Messi, when the World Cup starts to get around, we start to see a different Messi, man. This guy was kind of saving something in the tank for the World Cup. We all started to speculate on it. We're starting to see it, man. You remember, you know, we just saw the goal he scored, you know, although PSG tied this game. That goal he just scored against Benfica, an unbelievable goal. We are seeing Messi upping his game for PSG right around the World Cup. You know, it's about to start. That's not a coincidence in my opinion. Messi is on, about to be entering the form, maybe not of his life because it's fucking Messi. A legend, you know, he's just, he's had so many great runs of form. But he's about to be on unbelievable form. I think currently still, you know, best player in the world. You know, going into the World Cup, I believe he will be on the form to be the best player in the world. And anytime you have Lionel Messi on your team and you have a team around him like Argentina who are willing to die on the field for Messi and get him this World Cup, which literally he gets the World Cup, his legacy is sealed, signed, sealed, delivered, finished, greatest player of all time, no debate. Ronaldo, see ya, buddy, you're gone. Not even in the debate anymore. And I will say that. I'll debate that with anybody. What Messi wins this World Cup... I don't even want to see a Ronaldo fan debate Messi-Ronaldo anymore because it's over. It's over. But that's neither here nor there. You know, Argentina have a very, very good chance at winning the World Cup. Even though he said he's not, I mean, he's not going to perform in another World Cup after this, do you think he should play in the 2026 World Cup? As, as, a, as a fan, I selfishly say yes. I, I want to see Messi play as long as he can. You know, obviously, I don't want to see him hurt his legacy, but 
I selfishly want to see Messi play soccer a, 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 as long as he can. You know, this guy, everyone has watched this guy growing up. Everyone, especially part of my generation. You, I can't remember soccer w- without Messi. I literally can't. Same. It, he is the face of it. I want to watch him play forever. That's the truth. I want to watch him play forever. And some of the it, best. It, oh, I was going to say some of the best. Some of the best stars that are superstars that are that are playing right now grew up watching Messi. Exactly. And if he doesn't get it done this year with Argentina in the World Cup, I will say I would like him to give it a go in 2026. Even though he will be 39 years old in 2026, I would like him to give it a go. He wouldn't be obviously the same player he is now. He wouldn't be the leader of the team. He wouldn't be the star that he is, the number one option on the team. But if he doesn't quite get the World Cup title, I would want him to be in that squad just in case. I think we're going to see Argentina have some really, really good players coming into the fold. In 2026, he might get carried to, the, to a World Cup title per se, but I would want him to be in that squad because in case they did win, he would still get that medal and he would still be able to say, I won the World Cup. And even if Messi wasn't the best player on the team, that's still good enough. He has the World Cup trophy. He has the medal. You know what I'm saying? But... You know, Messi is saying it himself that it's expected, probably it's not going to happen. However, you know, he literally retired from Argentina at one point, you know what I'm saying, and then came back. So it's crazy. You never quite want to rule it out, in, even when he says it himself. However, you know, it's just, I, like, I selfishly want to see Messi play as, as long as he can. Really do. I really do. I, I just love Messi. Not enough good things to say about him. I, I just, I love Messi. So let's continue this FIFA discussion. We got the FIFA World Rankings listing all all of the top teams who they who they think are most likely going to win it all. We got the top five teams being Brazil, and this is in order. We got Brazil, Belgium, Argentina, France, and England. Mm-hmm. You and think there's any room for any other team in there? Take one team out. You know, I think if you're going to take a team out of this top five rankings, and and let me let me first make this clear. The FIFA World Rankings, you take them with a grain of salt. Everybody does. They're kind of they're they're BS to a certain extent. We've kind of seen it every year. And every time they come out, it's always like, it's always a few question marks. However, look, the first thing, if you're going to take a team out of this top five, you know, and I don't know if, I don't know if you take them out necessarily, but you move them back for sure. Belgium being, Belgium. Num- Belgium being number two, I, I just... Everyone agrees that Belgium would just have to... Have to Go from the top five. If, yeah, like if you're going to move a team, you know what I'm saying? you got to move Belgium. You know what I'm saying? You move the rest of them up. Like if you want Belgium to be at five, you can even make that argument. But to make them number two, you're not really – I can't see it. That's a, ridiculous. Nobody can make an argument to me and tell me and convince me that, Argent, uh, or that Belgium are the number two team in the world right now. You're like you just can't – and if anybody's going to try to convince me specifically that Belgium are better than Argentina, uh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Personally good, for good me, I think they should – be out of the top five list, and you put Spain or per- Portugal in that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just have so many more weapons. Yeah, I don't think that this is as good as a Belgium team as we've seen in the past, you know. This is, you know, look, if they weren't able to get it done with their golden generation that had a prime Eden Hazard, they're not going to be able to get it done now. Kevin De Bruyne's still playing unbelievably, probably the form of his life. Ramalu Lukaku isn't quite playing as well. And, you know, like, look, Thorgan Hazard is the better Hazard brother now, and, and he's never or ever will be quite what Prime Eden Hazard was. Exactly. They just don't have the same weapons that they did in the past. If they weren't able to get it done then, I don't have the faith in them to get it done now. And their defense is worse as well. They still have Thibaut Courtois, who, you know, best goalkeeper in the world, I would say, you know, on his day. But 
you know, even when you got the best goalkeeper in the world, so you've got to have some guys in front of him. With this practically being their final chance to win the World Cup because of, like what you said, the golden generation, do they have a chance? I'm gonna, I have to say, sadly, no. I'm going to have to agree with you. They don't have, they're not going to win the World Cup. And, and it's sad to say because everybody knows how good this golden generation was for Belgium. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Prime Eden Hazard, Prime Lukaku. They really had to. And if you think about it, they had Vincent Company, they had, you know, Jan Vertonghen, they had Toby Alderweireld, they had Courtois. They had a really, really good team. And the, probably the best they ever did, they finished third in the last World Cup. Weren't ever quite able to, to win that international trophy, not even do it in the Euros. Exactly. And, you know, if they weren't able to do it last World Cup, where I really, you know, that probably was their real last chance. Now, like, they, they, they have a chance because they're there and they're, they're a good team. But are they, are they going to do it for me over Argentina? No. Are they doing it for me over Brazil? No. And obviously it's, it's soccer. You know, anything can happen. Over France, no. But uh, you just you just don't see it. I, I don't see them actually winning the World Cup. Are they going to do well? Quarterfinals, maybe something like that? Sure. But to go on and win it? No, no, no. And I, I think a lot of people would agree. I think, I think anybody. Now, previously we just mentioned you got to take the FIFA World Rankings with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, personally, I don't agree with them listing Mexico above the United States. Mm-hmm. I think the United States overall is a better team. Yeah. And I, well, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that statement. You know, we have seen in all of the important games recently, you know, we're talking championships on the line. We have seen the U.S. men's national team beat Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, the U.S. men's national team is always going to struggle playing in Mexico. But, you know, a lot of these finals that, that, that they've been playing, you know, they were not uh, in the Estadio Azteca. So the U.S. is always going to have that advantage. And, and look, the U.S. men's national team is producing very, very good young talent right very now. Very good young they, talent. They are really on the come up. They are on the up and up. And Mexico, I'm not going to act like they're producing no talent, but they are not producing it at the level of the, of the United States right now. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's a conversation about the future. But we're talking about right now. Even right now, if I look at the, the Mexico squad and I look at the, the USA squad, I, I have to lean. I, I think the USA squad is just slightly better. And I Christian think, Pulisic, like, and they I, just got think, many players. I, I tend to think that the U.S. will, will go further in, in the World Cup than Mexico. Obviously, Mexico being in the same group as Argentina, that's not really doing them any favors. You know, England uh, being in the same group as USA, that's going to be, I w- like, USA are closer to England than Mexico are to Argentina, in my opinion. You know what I mean? If you're going to compare it like that. Um, I think USA has a chance to beat England. You know, potentially when they play in the group stage, if they have a chance to beat them, it's going to be a close it's game. It's going to be a close game. I, I don't think Mexico is, I, like, look, could they get out of the group stages? Sure. You know, but are they going to go any further than that? No. And, and, and I could say the same even for the U.S. Do I think they're going to go any further than the round of 16? Probably not. But, hey, but, but that's that's good for the USA. Well, and, and, and well, yeah, they always, in, well, last week, last World Cup, they obviously weren't even there at all. But exactly. For the, for the most time when they're in the World Cup, they're pretty good at getting to the round of 16. And honestly, uh, 2002 World Cup, USA played Mexico, USA won. That, and that's, that was the, the only time that the U.S. really had made it that far. And Mexico has as the round of 16 curse, where they don't get past the round of 16. I expect that to continue because, look, is Mexico getting past the round of 16? I, I no, highly, highly no, doubt it. They're, yeah, just not, no. they're not even as good of a team as the U.S. men's national team, in my opinion. So that's not setting them up for success. With Mexico being ranked 13th, 
13th and USA being ranked 16th, which again, and that's why you take the that's why you take the FIFA World Rankings with a grain of salt because exactly. because where are they getting these numbers from to even make this up? It's crazy. Literally, you think about the last three competitive, real real competitive times. We're talking about finals with trophies on the line. USA's won, and you're and you're ranking them three rankings behind them. The three rankings that's three championships that the USA won against Mexico. What where are you getting these numbers from, man? It's crazy. It it is crazy, but. Speaking of the number three, <laughs> that's that weird transition. But look, Brazil, uh, you, you you hinted that they were your World Cup favorites. A lot of people would agree. They're ranked number one currently in the FIFA World Rankings. A lot of people are, are debating because Brazil, you know, maybe better than any other nation, they have a plethora of attacking options. It, it's honestly disgusting just to think about it. So I really want to hear this. Who do you think Brazil should start in their front three for the World Cup? Vinicius Jr., left wing. This is going to be very, very surprising for a lot of viewers to hear. But you're going to have to put Neymar at striker and then Anthony at the right wing. And, and you think that you think that's the front three they should be rocking with in the World Cup? I think that combination would be absolutely insane. That's the best combination that they could come up with for sure. You ready to hear mine? I'm ready to hear yours. If I was the Brazilian coach, my front three, I'm rocking. You know, look, if I'm the coach, you you play Neymar, you know, wherever he kind of wants to play, either wing. But I got Neymar, Gabriel Jesus at striker. And I'm rocking with Vinicius Jr. Gabriel have, Jesus? I think, look, Gabriel Jesus has been on, we talked about him last podcast. He's been on elite form. I think he's probably the closest thing to a pure striker Brazil really have. And I think, look, you play, look, Neymar has been on unbelievable form. Same thing with Vinicius. If you got them on the side and on the wings, and you got Gabriel Jesus in, in, the, in the middle, you can play that center forward position, drop back, and he really would let, uh, Neymar and Vinicius really cut inside and, and potentially play more of a winger slash striker kind of role for Brazil. Gabriel Jesus, he's, he, we've seen the ability for Arsenal to drop back and play slightly like a center forward, which allows Neymar and Vinicius to be the real focal points of that attack, which I think that's what you want. You know what I mean? So, obviously, but when you're Brazil, you have so many options. You have Rafinha, you got Anthony, you got uh, so many guys that could take. There's only three spots in the front three. And you've got probably you know six guys who could start. I think both of our both of our t- front but three was pretty good. That that's what I'm. But that's the point that I'm getting. Yeah, at. exactly. They have so many. Op- you could make two completely different front threes. Although we had you know similar like like the only difference technically is uh, I had Jesus, you had uh, Anthony. Anthony. But you could literally make a different front three. You could just have Rafinha, Anthony, and 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 then you know Gabriel Jesus. And that's still a solid front three. Although you know you got to have Neymar and Vinicius in there. But that's the thing. Brazil just have so many options. But, you know, I don't know exactly what the, the manager is thinking, but some, some, some people are saying that, that Vinicius might not play, you know. Like, he might not even be in the front three. Gabriel Jesus, you know, he might be on the bench. Like, how, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have to leave out some, some crazy guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a, an unbelievable player, it might not be getting the playing time he deserves because of how many options in front of him there are. Rodrigo is another player that people, exactly. people not, think that not, not should even, be able to play. I mean, we didn't even mention him. And that, you know, that's, that, that just goes to show you how stacked they are. You know what I'm trying to say? That just goes to show you exactly how stacked they are. You know what I'm saying? Cunha, you got, you got a lot of players. They just have so many guys. So, K- 
can Brazil be the first men's team to ever win it, being ranked number one in the last FIFA World in rankings? The last, in the last FIFA World rankings, exactly. Before the World Cup. They definitely can. They like Obviously, they can. But will they? In my opinion, no. I don't think they're winning the World Cup. And, and, and look, the problems with Brazil for me don't lie with, with their, their attack. Obviously, we just talked about it. It's un, uh, utterly unbelievable. However, the problems more lie in the midfield and the defense for me. You know, look, obviously, they got Marquinhos, and they have, some, uh, they have a great, you know, that's a, a world-class center back. And they have some great midfielders. However, Great goalkeeper, Allison. Of course, but you know they have Casemiro, but like when you, you have Lucas Paqueta, but like are they are they World Cup winners? You know what I mean? Are they like like Casemiro? Sure, we know how good he is, but is Lucas Paqueta a World Cup winning midfielder? I just don't know, man. I just don't know. And then, and then you look at their fullbacks. I'm not gonna say they're bad, but they're not the greatest. I think other teams might be able to exploit them on the wing, and it's one of those things. If you are, if you have a, a good enough defense to shut down this attack and and don't concede early to Brazil, you know at a certain point they it gets what they're trying to do is just slightly repetitive and they don't quite get it done. And we saw it in the Copa America final, you know, great front three, no goals scored. Argentina win one nil. You know what I'm saying? If you can kind of park the bus to a certain extent against Brazil and hit them on the counter, they are very easy. Not easy, but they are counterattackable. And and some other great teams, Argentina, France, England, whatever, they'll some, exploit that. Some teams will try to be able to exploit it. And it, but look, well, they it's all be unbelievable games. But I just don't know if I believe in them hundred percent. I don't know. Will they be able to successfully get it done though? I just don't believe. So. I don't think they'll be able to exploit their defense. That's why I have again Brazil to be the favorites in the World Cup. I agree. But do you think they will be the first ever men's side to win the World Cup, being ranked number one in the last for world rankings? Most definitely. Breaking history. Breaking history. And, and they'll be the first. They'll be the first. <sighs> so, so elaborate a little bit on this. Again, I think they're just, they're attacking, their attacking core is amazing. And although their midfield and defense isn't the greatest, I think their attacking will just shine through. And, and their, their midfield and defense is good enough. Exactly. Their midfield and defense is good enough. With, with Casemiro, and again, we, you mentioned him as well, Marquinhos and Allison, one of the probably the best, one of the one of the best goalkeepers, arguably better than Courtois, some would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you can make that argument. So yeah, I just overall I think Brazil will definitely get the job done. Although there are some other great teams, uh, of um, course, immensely crazy competition, like it's insane. But yeah, I think Brazil will definitely be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. Their toughest rival, I think, will definitely be France. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next point, uh, moving on to England. We wanted the, the look, hotly contested debate between who should be starting at uh, the right-back position for England. I had, to do some de- I had to do some research for this one, obviously, well, as well as the other topics for this one, though. I had to really dig, di- deep. dig deep. So we got Reese James or Trent Alexander-Arnold. Who should start for England? Reese James. Now let me speak. I think Reese James is overall is the better player, and he's pre- been performing well this season over over Trent Alexander. Mm-hmm. And just he just he just I don't. It's just his his attacking and everything. And just overall, I think he's his attacking defender. I think overall he's just better than Trent. Although Trent is a great player, don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. I just think at the moment Reese James is a better player. 
So if I if I'm with, if I'm the England manager and obviously you you, you got two great options here, Reese James, Trent Alexander Arnold. However, if I'm the England manager, I'm leaning to take Reese James. I agree. Reese James, look, both Trent Alexander Arnold and Reese James are going to give you great things going forward. We just saw it, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold scored uh, in the Champions League for Liverpool, and we just saw it uh, against AC Milan. Reese James' goal and an assist. These guys are very good going forward. However, the thing that sets apart Reese James from Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold currently for me is literally the fact that uh, uh, Reese James is a better defender. And that is the reason why if I'm Garrett Southgate, I'm putting Reese James in the team because of that versatility. You need somebody exactly. You need somebody who's going to be obviously giving you great options going forward, which Reese James will. But then also when you have to track back, you have full faith in him to, to be the, the best defender that he could be as a right back. And let's be real, Trent gets exploited sometimes as a fullback. And, you know, those mistakes are cool sometimes within a 38-game season in the Premier League. You know, they get overlooked because Liverpool are a great team. It's easy to make a mistake against Brighton. You can't make those mistakes for England in the World Cup. Exactly. You, you, can, exactly. See the, you can see the goal in the World Cup. It, it literally could cost you the tournament. And you, you, you literally you can't make those types of mistakes. And I have more faith in Reese James to not make those mistakes. Facts. So that's why... If I'm Garrett Southgate, I'm leaning Reese James. And, and, you know, of course, I do love Reese James. He's a really, really good player. And I think he's only getting better. And it's so, so crazy, you know, that these two guys are very, very young. But, you know, Reese James is better right now. And I think Reese James will continue to be better in the future. So we might literally be having the same argument four years down the line who should be starting Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold. And, you know, obviously a lot of things can change. But, I think Reese James will continue to be the better player over Trent Alexander-Arnold, even into the future. Now let's get into France. Talk about France and possibly, hopefully, they'll be able to break the group stage curse. Exactly. I believe they'll be able to get it done. Well, first of all, the World Cup group stage curse. This is something, it's actually kind of crazy when you really think about it because, obviously, to win the World Cup, it's a very, very elite group of teams, you know what I'm saying, that can only do it. But... Look, the World Cup group stage curse, we're looking at 1998. It kind of originated, per se. The winners, France, and that, and that World Cup, eliminated in the 2002 group stages. And then 2006, the winners were Italy. They were eliminated in the, in group, the group stage stages. in 2010. You move on to the 2010 winners, Spain. They were eliminated 2014 group stages. And then Germany, who won 2014, eliminated in 2018 group stages. So the main question is, can France... Break this curse. I think you have, you have to say yes. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I feel like you, we could have asked this question about any of these other teams and we would have said, yeah, of course we think that they're going to win. That's why it's so dumbfounding that this curse even exists because these teams are, are loaded teams. But this French team in particular, during the 2018 World Cup, you know, after they won it, I think everybody said, hold on, man, they were able to win it now? How good is this team going to be four years down the line? Exactly, because, because they, were, they were very young. They were a young team then, so now they've, they've matured, they've developed. And although they, they you know kind of bottled the Euros to a certain extent and they underperformed, this team is not, this is a force to be reckoned with still. You know what I'm saying? They, they, I mean, look, Mbappe has gotten so much better. You know, look, he was amazing in the 2018 World Cup, but he's even better now. You know, they still have, you know, Pogba. And although Kante probably isn't the same player that he was, they they still have so many other players. They have Benyatta, uh, they, they, got, they have Shomeni. They have Kamavinga, who's going to be uh, an option in the midfield. They have so many options. Usman Dembele. They just have. They have. You think about France. You just think about options. They have so many options. So many players. Mukili, they got like they got. They, got, they, they have a lot of options. Uh, mid, like like look, 
I said that I said the issue with Brazil was they're, they're not loaded in every kind of position on the field. France are. Yeah. You think their attack, France got it all. Midfield, France has it. Defense, France has it. And they have a very solid goalkeeper in Hugo Lloris. They are a loaded team, front to back, very, very good team. I think, of course, I think they're going to break the group stage curse because if they, if they, if this team, if this France team can't make it out of the group stages, I, I literally won't know what to say. Do you it's, think they have the opportunity to win it all, though? Be the first team to be able to repeat a World Cup since 1962? I do. I think that they have a very, very good chance to do so. I, I think s- they have a good chance as well. That's why I said they'll be, the, they'll be Brazil's toughest opponent. I, 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 I really think, and, and everybody said this after 2018, like I said, how good is this team going to be in four years? Well, they're still very, very good. And anytime you have potentially the best player in the world, or you know, at least the best young player in the world in Mbappe, you're going to give yourself a very, very good chance. I think Mbappe is going to have an unbelievable World Cup. You know, Messi is going to have a great World Cup too, but Mbappe in particular, we're talking about France, he's going to have a great, great World Cup, and he's going to give them a very, very good chance to repeat. And it would be unbelievable to see a team repeat because it's, it's one of the things that just doesn't happen. Obviously, it's been... Since 1962. That, that's how many years? That, that's 40-plus years we're talking about. I mean, come on, man. It would be crazy to see it. Like, if I was a betting man, would I go bet on it or whatever? I don't know if it, quite that. But I do think they have a very, very good chance. But, you know, nobody likes to see me say they have a good chance. And so they want us to see me pick a side. I think France will do it. I think they'll fall short to Brazil, but I think they'll get really, really close. Yeah, and... You know, as, as of right now, I, I think that they, they can do it. And, I, and will they, you know, we're going to make a, you know, coming soon on the channel, we'll make official World Cup predictions, you know. You know we'll announce that per se. Of course. But as of now, I think that, that they have a very, very good chance and they, 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 they will do it. And we'll make the official predictions that things, things can change, obviously. Of course. I, it's it's going to be crazy. People can get injured. Exactly. So, so like Anything said, can they, happen. They, they, things can change. But it's going to be very, very interesting to see if, if that happens. Start the official starting lineup hasn't came out yet. Exactly. Oh yeah, like I said, there's so many things to come out, but you know what I mean. It's gonna be interesting to see. You know what I'm saying? That was a lot of FIFA. It's good, and and it's one of those things. Before we move on to the next topic, the World Cup. It only happens every four years. It's coming uh, upon us thick and fast. So you can expect a lot of FIFA World Cup related content coming very soon into the podcast. Probably almost every episode now. Of course as we lead up into the World Cup, and then hopefully we can do some more World Cup-themed type of content. You know what I'm saying? But you know, let's let's move on to the next topic. Let's move on to baseball now. MLB, we got Aaron, Juju- Aaron Judge taken out of the lineup of, for the regular season final. A lot of people are saying that he should have had an, the opportunity mm-hmm. to get the chance at the Triple Crown. Yeah. Do, do you agree? I... I, 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 of course, I agree. I think that's that's what I was saying. I can definitely agree. I think he's so close. He's so close, and and it's baseball. I don't think you're putting yourself necessarily at too much of a risk for injury if you're going out there and swinging the bat. And you know, not to say that you can't get injured doing it. I'm not gonna be, a, you know, I'm not gonna say that. But look, you're so so close. Literally point zero zero four. You know, that, you're, you're talking. You just get two hits or whatever, and you probably win the triple crown. And Aaron, the way Aaron Judge has been playing, he had a very, very good opportunity to do it. He'll get more than two hits. Oh, he was, I mean, you should, he's able to play. Exactly, it's one of those things. That's kind of what we were, what we would expect. And, and 
it's disappointing to see somebody so close to achieving something like this. You know, look, it takes a whole season of work to do this. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, obviously the Yankees, they're in the playoffs and they're, they're contending and they're, you know, they could win the World Series. But, you know, you want to see guys make history. And, you know, we saw him do break the home run record, which we'll get into in a second. But, you know, he had really had a chance to have, have all of this happen in the same season, breaking the home run record with 62 home runs. Exactly. And getting the triple grand. I mean, we're talking – this is that that'd be an all-time great baseball season. You know, phenomenal. I mean, we're talking that's something legendary. Never, never even done. I mean, we're talking like like literally, utterly unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? So to see him not even get an opportunity. Look, if he if, if they play him and he just doesn't get it done, hey, you hold your hands up and you say, hey, it is what it is. But he didn't even get the chance. chance. And that's what sucks because now it's like we're gonna have to debate. You know, what if scenarios? Like, what if he did play? Would he have done it? Well, but we'll never know 100% sure. And we could have known, man. It was, would have been so easy, man. Just put him in the lineup. It, it, it's, it's disappointing. Very, very disappointing, in my opinion. I can definitely agree. It's very, very disappointing. He should have had the opportunity to play. However, you said he was breaking records earlier, including the home run record. The AL home run record that we're talking, literally Mickey, like, like we're talking Mickey Mantle. You know, we're talking, like, like, we're talking Roger Maris. We're talking those days, you know. So we're talking the 50s. I mean, that's something that has not been done for so, so long. And to do it in the modern game is unbelievable. You have to tip your hat to Aaron Judge. Especially when they were doing a whole bunch of drugs. back. People saying that they were doing steroids exactly. and drug, drug, drug enhancement. They and, had drug and, and that's the debate right now. People, Hammond, people are performance saying enhancements. The, only, the only people to have more home runs than Aaron Judge are all guys who have been, been confirmed steroid users. So I pose this question to you. People are debating... Is Aaron Judge the real home run king or not because he's doing it all natural? What do you think? I definitely believe that he's the real home run king. I can definitely agree that without a doubt that he is the home. I, I don't know if you would agree, but I, I could definitely say that he's the home run king because he's done it naturally and 100%. It's been all him, no performance enhancement drugs, and he's been working hard to achieve this goal. So I'm glad that he was able to get it done. More morally speaking, I agree to a certain extent because, like, obviously, it's it's almost unfair to a certain extent to compare uh, a guy who's done it naturally, or at least supposedly naturally, I guess, because like this a lot of that stuff comes out after the fact, I guess. But I, I assume Aaron Judge is very much so natural because the MLB has probably been testing him all season because of how good he's been playing. But like, the MLB themselves on their official website. When you look up the most home runs of all time, they have Barry Bonds number one. And he was obviously a confirmed steroid user. But when the official MLB website has Barry Bonds as the number one guy, I have to go with that. You know what I'm saying? All, like, like morally speaking, I agree. But then like like in terms of the actual statistics and how the Hall in Hall of Fame, like like the legend, you know what I'm saying? Like like how that all works. Seventy two home runs is the real record because that's what, what that's the most that has ever been done in a baseball season, regardless of anything. You know what I'm saying? If he broke, if he had 73 naturally, then obviously there's no debate. You know, and, and maybe it's impossible to do. You know, I, I don't know. But morally speaking, I agree he's the home run king. But then, you know, technically speaking, in terms of how it all is, I, I think Barry Bonds is still the king. Again, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have to disagree with you on that, just because of what we said, just because of the performance enhancements that they took back in the day. I yeah, think that gave them an unfair advantage completely, and I don't think that they would have been able to do the stuff that they did. I, of course, I, I, I can agree with that, but you can't erase history. 
Facts. And regardless of if he had performance enhancing drugs or not, he still did it. So it's it, very true. Like I, I don't know. Obviously, it aided him and it helped him, but he still was able to hit seventy-two home runs in the same amount of games that Aaron Judge was. You know, the only differing factor was the fact one took PEDs, one didn't. And, and, that, and competition and, has gotten a lot better throughout all sports. Competition has just gotten a lot better. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you go on MLB.com, you type in who has the most home runs in history, you still see Barry Bonds' name, and I got to go with that. That's, that's just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of have to roll with that. Barry Bonds, you can't, you can't rewrite their record books. You can't rewrite history. He did it. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I just nah. Well, we'll agree to disagree on that one. So now we got let's switch it up from sports to music and culture. Yeah, let let, let me take the lead on this one because this is something we have been talking about for you know a lot of episodes here. We've been talking about the build up to this album, highly anticipated Quavo and Takeoff dropping their new album officially called you know Only Built for Infinity Links. And we're going to touch on our review and everything like that first. However, first things first, let's address th- this point. Uh, in, in, in an interview, I guess, uh, Travis Porter claimed that, you know, the real reason why the Migos broke up was because of a woman. So let's touch on this. What are your thoughts on this? Initially, everyone's thoughts is most likely thinking straight straight to Cardi B mm-hmm. and how, like, her relate her relationship with Offset has affected Offset's thought process on whatever business moves he's making. Mm-hmm. So it's also affected the whole Migos and the groups and the whole entourage's way of moving. Mm-hmm. Just has to move different, especially because he has a child as well. It's just it just changes everything. So, and I'm probably gonna have to agree with this one because yeah. like i don't I, I it couldn't have been like just a random woman yeah it couldn't have been like sweetie or a random girlfriend that takeoff hooked up with that split the amigos yeah whether like the only other thing i could think of is maybe takeoff hooked up with a girlfriend that cardi b like didn't like like and it probably had beef with but like nobody really knew about but uh-huh. but even if like what does that really matter at the end of the day? Yeah. And and that would be Cardi B, like, associated with the problem. So whatever it is, I can definitely agree with the assumptions that Cardi B would definitely have something to do with this. Okay. So now that we've gotten the Migos breaking up uh, discussion out of the way, Travis Porter, let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we wanted to hit on this. The album itself, you know, we, we listened to the album. I'm, I want to pass this one to you first. What are your uh, what is your re- thoughts and review on this album? Quavo has not worked as hard on an album. I would say since Culture, Culture, the original Culture, Quavo put his heart and soul into this album. Mm-hmm. Not only with the lyrics, the melodies, mm-hmm. and the producing. You can tell that he was with the producers saying, hey, man, this is looking right. This is looking good. This is looking, hey, I want to change this up. He was there giving his opinion, and that's what we've wanted, man. We wanted Quavo to actually be there, mm-hmm. and he was there, man. Take off, man. He, people thought 
that takeoff wasn't gonna wasn't gonna perform as well without offset. Some people speculated that. Mm-hmm. That takeoff was hey man, without offset in the group, man, takeoff might not be able to perform as well because that was the older OG giving the youngest advice. Mm-hmm. Takeoff said, nah, man. We built for infinity links. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did, man. They went crazy, man. I, if I had to rate this album, I'm giving it a nine and a half. Woo! A solid nine and a half. I got to give it a, if we don't do halves, I got to give it a nine. Yeah, yeah, because remember we said we don't do halves, yeah. So I got to give it a nine. High nine. A good nine. A solid nine. A solid nine. A real and, solid nine. And the only reason why I say a nine and not a ten is because I feel like just something is missing. Like, just there's a little something. Is that Offset? Whether it's Offset or another feature that they could have added to two separate songs. Like, a, you know what I'm saying? Like a yeah. Travis a Travis feature that they could have added to two songs. Travis feature, you know what I'm saying? Something was missing. A little something. I don't know what exactly it was, per se, but I know a little something was missing. Yeah. But I'm glad we got the old Quavo back. Yeah. Here go. What would you rate it? Well... I remember when we first listened to the album. Well, I first listened to the album. I listened to it first before you because, you know, I had the leak. You know, I had the, I had the leak. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I listened to it and I texted you, bro. And I said, and you can confirm this, bro. I literally said, bro, I think we got the old Quavo back. And I slid right away. Literally, bro, I said, bro, I think we got the old Quavo back. I couldn't believe it, man. I slid within 30 minutes. I literally could not believe it, bro. Like, because, you know, we listened to, you know, the old Migos. I put you on. And, and, bro, the old Quavo was something else, bro. And then I started listening to this, and I was like, man. We're talking tapes that people really don't know about. Streets Unlocked 4. And, and man, I, I'm sitting there, bro, and I'm like, man, Quavo really doing something right now, bro. He really what was putting, his, like you said, his heart and soul into this music. And I could tell. I feel like he got that motivation back. Exactly. Some people said that after the Migos really got to that superstar status, that Quavo, man, he just didn't really have the motivation for music anymore. I can definitely agree with that to some extent. And I really think that whether you like it or not, this whole beef with Offset sparked a new motivation for Quavo to really be like, oh, bro, I got to lock in and really put out a classic. You know, and look, we're going to get into that. But he, he, that's in his head. He said, man, I, I got to put out something that's really, really, really good. You know what I mean? Better than Quavo Huncho. Better than the old, better than Culture 3. Better than anything I've been on recently. I really got to put my heart and soul into it. And I think, you know, everyone kind of expected Takeoff to do his thing. But the real question mark on this was Quavo. What were we going to get? Were we going to get the new Quavo who kind of was washed maybe? Or were we going to get the old Quavo? And we, we like I said, we, we know the, our answer. We got the old Quavo. So that's my biggest takeaway. However... You know, the production on this track, or or the production on this, you know, unbelievable as well. You know, it's not just about Quavo, and it's not just about his performance, the production on it. Give a shot, the Buddha beats. Really, really good. You know, Ezzy as well. Ezzy. Ezzy. Oh, man. Bro, and, bro, he was. And obviously, DJ Durrell. DJ Durrell. But, like, the production on this was A1 for me. It, It really sounded, you know, really, really good. But then, you know, I would say every feature did their thing that they, Facts. they, they needed to do. Even Summer Walker. Even, even Summer Walker. Everyone who was featured on this album who got the opportunity did their thing. And that's exactly what all you can ask for. You know, I, honestly, for me, personally, this album was, was really, really, really good. You know? If I had to give uh, something where I think it could have used a little bit of improvement, 
I think maybe one or two more features, like you said. Was it, I don't know exactly who, you know, but I would say maybe a Travis Scott feature, maybe a Uzi. I don't know exactly little who Little baby. Little baby. Somebody would have been nice, you know what I mean? But with that being said, I don't think it was necessarily bad without it or anything like that. And if I'm going to give it a rating out of 10, you know, we don't do halves. I have to agree with you. Like I said, I gave you, I gave you uh, my my kind of flaw with it per se i have to agree with you i give it a high nine i mean if i could do halves it would be 9.5 like like you said almost a 10 i'm talking maybe 9.8 type thing like, like it's really close bro like i think it's close i think it was really really good and i had high expectations for this and i really think i think it beat it i think it beat my expectations which i think anytime an album beats your expectations you're coming away happy and i'm very very happy with this album and i'm excited to see favorite what song Oh, uh, oh, like 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 chocolate had to have been for me. For me, that was, you know, I think like there were other, there were so many good songs on this, but that song in particular, man, it's just this is something about it, bro. The song with Young Boy, bro. The song with NBA Young Boy, man, that's just that was the one for me. I'm literally over here like moonwalking across the crib <laughs> listening to chocolate, bro. It's just yeah. like one of them ones, bro. But obviously, not uh, only because it has Young Thug, oh, Young and, Thug and, and Gunna. That's the thing. It wasn't even because of Young Thug and Gunna. And obviously, I love those two artists as well. But Quavo on that song was different, bro. Like, he really was different. And, and he kind of, I'm not going to say he carried this home because everyone else did their thing. But, like, if I had to say who did the best on the song, it was Quavo. Damn. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that's that's that with that song. But it was definitely my favorite. But um, another song, Look At Me, that was a song, like, like I said, when we, when we first listened to it, you know, I was like, dang, that's one of them ones. And then I re-listened to it, and I was like, yeah, that's definitely one of them ones. You know what I'm saying? But for me, my overall best favorite track, Chocolate. But for you, what was yours? For some reason, I can't remember the specific name of the track. Oh, but it's it, Huh? Wasn't it To The yeah, Bone? Yeah, To The boy. Bone. That's it. I knew it was the young, the one with Young Boy, but it's, it's To The Bone for sure. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, I remember you said To The Bone. Bad To The Bone. Hey. It was. And that, that sounds fire. And that, that's, in, that's definitely in my, in my top five songs on, on the album for sure. That, that it, it was unbelievable. The next... But like, look, we both gave it a, a nine, and we both said we would have given it a nine point five, closest closer to a ten. The question is, and this was this album, or or will it be? Will this album be a classic? Will it be a classic? Will it be something we play from? With it? Five in the five five from five years from now, are we gonna still be jamming most of the songs? I can say that how about this? I'll say that some of the songs are definitely classic and will be a classic. Mm-hmm. Some of the songs. Mm-hmm. How, the album as a whole being a classic, I just can't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just can't agree. However, again, some songs will definitely be a classic. I think it's obviously it's tough to, to to say whether something will be a classic literally one day after it came out. or, or t- Well, technically, this is the day of it coming out. You know, it's, it's always going to be tough. But I think this has classic potential. I think that this album is going to age like fine wine. If it's sounding good now, I think, bro, we're going to listen to this in a month and now, and it's going to sound even better. We said that about Drake. We're going we're gonna to look back at this album in a year from now and think, wow, this album was good. Look. We, look, Huncho Jack Jack Huncho, one of your favorite albums. My favorite album. Exactly. At the time when it first came out, was hella it, slept. It got on. a lot of hate. 
It did. We look back on it now. This is what it's five years. Five years later, we can all say that the album what was slept on. It had bangers. Some call it a classic. I would call it a classic. I think we're gonna look back on this five years from now, twenty twenty seven or whatever. We're gonna be like, damn, bro, Quavo would take off. Really did they thing on this, bro? This and and I think this album has the potential to be a classic. Five years from now, I'm gonna be honest. What we're gonna get into next is how much Offset, if Offset was on the project, how much would he have contributed? Truly, mm -hmm. I think it that would have made it a classic. Oh, so you just wanted another Migos album. If Offset was on the album, it would have made it a definite classic without a doubt in my mind. What 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 makes me what's interesting what's intriguing about that point is like why if if they were able to make a body of work like this, how come they didn't do it for Culture 3? How come they didn't do it for Culture 2? Where was like where was this beat selection then? Where was this They didn't have the determination. That, that, that so uh, if you're if you're gonna put it up hypothetically and you're gonna say like, you know, we we could get the same beats or whatever, and we just add an offset verse to all of them. Exactly. If, if that's what it, if that's the question and that's how you're gonna pose it to me, then offset is gonna obviously is gonna add a lot to this project. And how, it would be a classic. However, you know, it's tough when when you really think about situations like that because like the thing thing like songs might have not been made the same if offset was involved. That's very true. So, so if you're gonna pose the question like. Literally, we get the same songs as they are, and you just add an Offset verse. Okay, he's definitely adding a lot, and because I love Offset, but I don't know if we would get this this album and these songs the same way we got them if if Offset was on it. So, like, assuming that we do, I, I think Offset adds a lot to this project, and it's an unfortunate uh, thing that he's not there. Of course. Uh, so the final point on this album. Uh, obviously, we both think it, it's really, really good. What do we think it's going to do on Billboard? Definitely going to go number one, without a doubt. Definitely going number one. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would have to agree with that. If this doesn't go number one, I will be shocked. Definitely, I, I would be one. so so shocked if this doesn't go number one. How much we think it's selling? Uh, well, people have it's been selling. Un people have been underperforming sales like crazy, man. But, and I know I've been saying this with like, almost every artist, but like I said it last week with Kid Cudi, who. Basically flopped, but like, <laughs> bruh, this is Quavo and Takeoff dropping the, their first ever duo album, bruh. This is big names, bruh, and, it's, and the album is actually fire, bruh. If this album can't sell more than 80K, I don't know what's selling more than 80K. If this album doesn't hit triple digits and I, sell I 100K. Say, I want to say triple digits, but like, like no one is hitting that apparently anymore, I guess. I don't know. This album is hitting triple digits. In my opinion, it should. It's going 100K. That's what I'm gonna say right here, right now. 100k. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna ease myself on the side of caution and say 80k plus. But I look, I really do agree. It should sell over 100k. 100k. <sighs> so we're moving on from one album we can say is fire into one album that, that, that well, 3800 degrees. <sighs> it is hot. You know, it's hot. It's fire. But okay. So young boy. <laughs> said, okay. Young boy drops. His, his surprise album, which he announced the same the same day as he dropped it, 3,800 Degrees. I'll pose it to you again. What was your initial thoughts on this project? Man, it's just young boy. Like, he just seems so, like, heated and mad at the world. And the situation he's going through, man, he's just mad about everything. I just, 
I just don't like the way he's making music right now because of his attitude. It's not melodic. It's just it's just him basically like screaming into the microphone, man. And no one wants to hear that. So mm-hmm. personally, man, it's not my one of my favorite pieces of body of work by Youngboy. But I can, I can going over some of the songs. I'm sure, like if I listen to it again, like multiple times, like I'll I'll start to vibe, vibe with it. Him. Exactly, I'll start to vibe with it. So I'm sure, like. I like a, a couple more songs than I do currently off the tape. I've, uh-huh. I only like one song right now, like that I have downloaded out of all of them. Uh-huh. Versus Quavo and Takeoff's album, I got every single song downloaded off of that album. Cause it was fire. Cause it was extremely fire. <sighs> With this, this thirty-eight hundred. I mean, three thousand. Whatever, thirty-eight hundred degrees. Three three thousand eight hundred degrees. I got. Young boy, I'm gonna have to rate it. Six. What? No, 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 six. It's too good. It's too good. It might be too good. I'm going to be honest. Give your real opinion. Come on now. Four. Definite four. There we go. Four. Four. I think think Big 30's album was honestly better. Okay. We we did we talked about Big Thirty last week. You ready for my review? Switch it over. Switch it over, yeah. You know, you listened to this album first before I got the chance to. So you know, you you called me on the phone and you said, "Look, I'm listening to this Young Boy album, and you know, I'm just not really liking it." He's yelling into the mic, and you, and you, you put this kind of message into my head that it was, what it was going to be like. And I, and I really, I started listening to it, and I'm expecting yelling, and, and it's going to be mad. And I, I didn't really, it's not that I didn't get that vibe at all, but I didn't get the same necessarily vibes as you. I don't think, I think I've heard more more albums. I'm interested to see what the what the fans think, what a lot of the people that watch this think. I'm really interested to but see, I would say, see what they think. I, I would say, like, I didn't hear as much rage as maybe you did. You know, I don't know. I, I really didn't get that vibe from it necessarily, but... I would say, was it Young Boy's best album or best body of work? No. But after looking at it, I was sitting there and I was saying, I'm, I'm not quite getting the same vibe as Blue. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there, it's not necessarily melodic, melodic, but it's not hard, hard yell Young Boy either. And if I had to, if I had to look back on it, my favorite song, I, I, I want to get the name right. I added it. Here we go. Amped up with the, with the, the surprise feature. Nobody expected it. I never heard of him, and you never heard of him, bro. Mouse on the track. I heard of him. You never heard of him. I'm, I'm just kidding. He him. slid, bro. <laughs> Mouse on the track slid, Yeah, Yeah, to confirm that. I never heard him. Nobody has, bro. Mouse on the track slid on this song, bro. I, I never expected it. Literally, it was a fire verse. He gave young boy his hardest verse he's ever going to record probably in his life. You know, he said, bro, I'm, I'm going to be on 3,800 Degrees by Youngboy. I got to give him the best verse I ever make. And that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. Literally, Mouse on the track potentially put himself on the map with this. However, the rest of the features on this, bro, Shy Glizzy wasn't the best. And, wasn't the best. And E-40, bro, that was the worst verse I've ever heard. From E-40. For, and maybe the worst verse in general. I don't know, it was man. So bad. I don't know. E4- There's been some pretty bad verses out there. Of course, but E40 had a chance to to bring back, to to, to put on for the old school rap, and and bruh, 
that you see that trash can right there? That's E40's verse. That's what we got. It was terrible. It was trash. It was trash. I think it was mid. I don't think it was like extremely trash. It was trash, bro. I think it was kind of mid. You, you remember the same flow that I'm thinking about, bro? If you like, come on, bro. That flow was terrible. It was not a good E40 verse. All right, due to technical difficulties, we had to end this pod short. We had to cut this pod short. However, we will definitely be able to get into those topics that we wanted to get into in a future episode. Exactly. We had a couple of the topics we wanted to get into, but we did get into a lot of the meat and potatoes of what we wanted to talk about. And unfortunately, with the topics, it's just how it goes. So, you know, you, with all that being said, man. Thank you for tuning in to episode 22 of Shoot It Straight. Peace. Peace.